Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, braving the 45 inches of snow that has covered the 607, senior sports editor of the ODPH. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach... Duffy. It's a long weekend. Yo, tell me it's about it. It's a long... Oh, my God. My arms are still killing me from oh, all the not shoveling. Even the, I don't even give a shit about the shoveling. I'm talking about Saturday night mm. and Sunday night. What are you talking long about? Long evenings. What are you talking about? Army beat Air Force. No. I, I didn't even want to bring it up. It's, it's, was, it's there. People are going to want to know. It was a long, depressing Saturday night. I was, I was in pain. It was, hello, darkness, my old friend. I know how that goes, yeah. uh, at least three different occasions. Yeah, I was, I mean, it. W- I went through everything, all seven stages. I went through it. I was, at, when they went down 7 nothing, or when they went up 3 nothing. I was like, all right. The, literally the first thing I said to Aaron while we were watching the game together was, they cannot keep kicking field goals. Mm-hmm. 3 nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, normally people would be like, all right, points on the board, let's go. No, no, no. I immediately had a bad feeling. I go, they can't do this. Then they go down, miss a chip shot at like a 32-yarder, and I'm like, here we go. This is this is, this is is real. And Aaron's like, and I'm always, when she watches the game, overreacts. Sure, it's always yeah, sure. the first quarter of a game, Ohio State might be down 7 nothing, and it's panic mode. I'm like, geez. Like, oh, my parents, are the, my parents are the same way. I go, simmer down. Yeah. Like, it's the first quarter. They're going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. And I'm in full panic mode. And she goes, Sean, it's the first, you know, she's, she's giving it back. This is the first <laughs> quarter, Sean. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I've seen this fucking story before. I've watched this. So then they go down. Then it's 7-3. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. Then they get that interception. They go down and, and get, you know, they, they don't score a touchdown off of that. And I'm like, they can't keep trading field goals for touchdowns. You can't do that. Then they're down 14-6, and then it just snowballed. Snowballed, and yeah. it was uh, just a long – That was so that was a long night. I don't even think I, like, went to bed right away. I kind of was, like, in this just state of – I mean, I was texting – I was obviously yeah. texting you guys, texting friends. I'm like, they're out. Notre Dame's out. They're, they're not going to get in the playoffs right now. They're not going to get it. So I just stared at my TV for a good, I don't know, extra 30, 35 minutes after the game ended. And she was, Aaron's like, come get to bed. Like, the announcement's on Sunday morning. Like, this shit even affects me. Like, I don't even know why. It's just no name. Like, that's what they do. So then uh, 12 o'clock comes, and we're watching the countdown show. You know, she's like, we're trying to get her van out of, from the snow. So that's when the one time the snow did affect us. Mm. And I'm like, hey, listen, we got to be in by 12. Wrap up getting her van out of the driveway. The announcement comes on. They're in. And I was... I don't know if I want that because now they got to play Alabama. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, like I'm the the optimism in me is like, oh, sure, they could beat Bama. But, again, I've been through this in 2012, and I was like, they could definitely beat Bama. And then they got absolutely obliterated. So now I'm like, I can't, I you know, mm-hmm. I'm down this road again. I keep doing this to myself. 
it's your Notre Dame fandom that I keep is just doing haunting this. you. Yep. I keep fucking doing this to myself. Yep. Every and time. here we go again. Yep. So now I'm ta- I'm trying to talk myself into they can win this game. Yeah. Alabama's defense isn't that great. Yeah. Now Alabama's defense isn't that great. Their offense is a juggernaut, but Notre Dame stopped Clemson's offense for three plays. So they could definitely at least contain Alabama. Devontae Smith is a problem, but they can stop the run. They can stop the run. So, see? See, the one thing, though, Coach, you're not doubting is on any given play. Any given any given Saturday, baby. Any given Saturday, anything could happen. Because as we're going to go into the show and talk about, and I know we're leading off with this game, we can see an upset happen at any moment. That's mm-hmm. right. So on paper, there's a chance. That, but there's not. They're already 17-and-a-half-point dogs. They went down from 20, so some people are buying <laughs> hey! it in. You got, victories. you got to watch that Vegas line, and we'll be talking about that. It's so much more. So definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. And let us kick off this edition of the ODPH talking the NFL locks and leaps and arguably the biggest upset of the weekend. Uh-huh. Pad and Coach had this as their lock. Uh, so did probably half of Vegas. Uh-huh. This is not a joke, but the, the mayor, Jack- the mayor of Jacksonville, is going to make it New York Jets Day uh, any day now. Break it down for us, Pad. Yeah. So uh, in a season where the Jets have been piss poor, and probably your local Pee Wee football team could beat the New York Jets, uh, they went into Los Angeles at pretty heavy dogs. I think it was like double- seventeen and a half. Dogs. Yeah, so they were 17.5-point dogs. You're thinking, oh, team's tank, team's tanking. There's no way they're going to win. They can't do anything, you know, this, that, and the other. But, lo and behold, they somehow found a way to win. Uh, the New York Jets defeated the Los Angeles Rams by the final score of 23-20. to Sam Darnold, 22 of 31 for 207 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Jared Goff, 22 of 34 for 209 yards, passing two touchdowns, one interception. Coach, what do you say? I mean... What can you say other than my God? I, it's yeah. just it's. I don't even know. Like if I'm a Rams fan, I'm calling for McVay's head. Uh huh. I mean, this has not been a good season uh, for them at all. You know, I, well, I guess I can't say not a great season. It's just been inconsistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a real roller coaster for them. They yep. they can't figure out what their what their identity is. Whether it's a run team, whether it's a pass team. And for somebody who's supposed to be this, you know, offensive guru, mm-hmm. you know, again, we talk about this, you know, guru, if you get that uh, etched to your name, you know, you should be able to perform. And I mean, I knew going into this game, I, I didn't, I mean, since we don't pick the point spread, right. I wasn't worried about the 17 and a half. Right. Like that wasn't my concern. My concern was, all right, the Rams are going to win this game one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew they weren't going to cover, but like they're going to win. And to only put up 20 points on this Jets defense, that is literally, you know, player by player by player, a bunch of undrafted rookies and free agent signings. Not good. No. Not good. No, definitely the Rams should have won this just because you go back and you look at their schedule, you know, okay, you look, go through, look, they beat uh, Seattle. You know, they went into Tampa Bay and they beat the Buccaneers. They beat a very scrappy Arizona team, 38-28. You know, they put the absolute shellacking on my New England Patriots, 24-3. So you look at all those teams, and in, in, with the exception of obviously New England this year, you know, those are some pretty good teams they've beaten. So you look at this and going, the Jets fucking suck. Like, apologies to Jets fans, but your team fucking sucks. No, you don't got to apologize. They suck. You no, know, and they, the Jets fans know it. They know it. They know, know it. The fact that your leading rusher for the year is going to be the 38-year-old Frank Gore is really sad for your team. So you're looking at this going, oh, they got this in the bag. And, and maybe that was what it was, that the Rams being in the playoff hunt 
you know, looked past them. They they saw it as an easy win. They saw this as an, oh, we got this locked down. Because as we sit here recording uh, right now, they're in the fifth uh, seed in the NFC. Maybe they got caught looking past them that they figured, oh, this is a Jets team that, you know, gets beat on weekly. That there's no way we can lose this. They must have. Because to play this poorly against a team that clearly was trying to give you the game, it's unacceptable. Especially, like I said, they're they're currently sitting in uh, fifth place in the NFC, and their last their their next two games after this past weekend, they go up to Seattle and play the Seahawks, and then they're at home against the Cardinals. Which, at this case, I would be hitting the panic button if I'm a Rams fan. Uh, my ha- I wouldn't be hitting it, but my hand's like right over. No, it. I think you have. No, to. I think you have to. I think you have to. You can't. You can't at home. Yeah, exactly. lose this game. Like yeah. it's one thing, and uh, you know, if it was, if the Rams had gone to New York, sure, one o'clock game. Yeah, different you know, story. Yeah, you know, the week before sure. they had a tough matchup in, you know, or they had an easy win against the Patriots. So you're coming off of that. You're looking at a division game the following week. So you got a little bit of a trap game. You got to mm-hmm. travel. You know, you got all those things working against you. And you let one slip against the Jets on the road. Yeah. All right. Plausible. Yeah. You know, like not good. No, plausible. But, but there's a, there's reasons yeah. for it. But then you're now flip the scenario of, all right, you have an easy game at home against the Patriots where you, where you play Thursday night. So now right. you got an extra three days of rest. Right. You're playing at home again against a team traveling west or east to west right and you're at home with facing the seahawks the following week so still the trap game scenario of sure we don't need to worry about them we have a division next week sure but then you still let this slip at home inexcusable no there's yeah you're, you hit the nail right on the head this game was a must win mm-hmm. just for the simple fact of arizona still hanging around that playoff spot yeah i would say uh, looking at the nfc west uh, seahawks did win over the weekend and they clinched a playoff berth However, they have not clinched the division. The only team in that division that is out is the San Francisco 49ers. Mm -hmm. So that being said, for the Rams and Cardinals, they still need to win every game outright and then let the dice fall where they may. Right. For the Rams to blow this game, it's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And this might be the reason they don't make the playoffs. It might be. I would say if they if they won this game, they would have been tied with Seattle at first place. Yeah, this depending had, on how you, you figure out with all the other factors, right? But you're exactly hitting the point I'm going with. This game was a must win because they could have been tied with Seattle. Mm-hmm. They could have made a stake for the NFC West title. Yep. Now, I mean, crazier things have happened. They might slip down the rankings for the playoff spots. Yeah. I know there's the extra team this year, right? But this is a game they should have won. Outright. And I, I mean, it's tough to be mad at McAvey for having, you know, being nine and five, you know, a good, you know, whatever their record was last year, which I know was good, and you know, obviously the Super Bowl the year before that. So like, it's tough to be like, they were yeah, nine this and, is nine and seven last year. Nine, so that's still a good year. It's I mean, still, it's still a good year, but yeah. for, but for where they are now, they're so inconsistent with their playing, right? That if you're going into the playoffs. Who knows what you're going to get out of? Well, think about the fact that the you know the Giants traveled out there and they were 13 and a half point favorites, right. and I was like, hammer the Rams, right. yeah, you know, and yeah, the Rams won that game, but like that was when the Giants were you know not on that high swing of playing really well. I mean, the de- the defense was starting to come on, but not the way that they are right now, and the offense was terrible. Mm. So, and the Rams are so inconsistent just because you look at who they've got on offense. Their leading rusher, Cam Akers, 15 carries, 63 yards. You know, but then you look at their receiving core. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are good. Don't get me wrong; they're very good. You know, but 
are any of the three of us legitimately taking them in the first seven or eight rounds of our fantasy football drafts next no. year? Oh, well, I mean, it's not even the fantasy. No, it's just the the overall like you know, when you are scheming. Yeah, you know, and we've talked about this with uh, Trubisky and the and the Bears. Like, sure, you have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Are you worried about either one of them? Fuck no. Going. Seven for 165 yards. Mm-hmm. Like wow. when you have to play Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Like that you got to worry about, you know? Oh, yeah. But e- these guys are probably going to each have maybe five catches for 72 yards, maybe a score each. Sure. But what is that? That's 14 to whatever you score. Mm-hmm. That's not what you're worried about, you know? When before what you had to be worried about was when they had Todd Gurley. Yeah. Because they were running it and throwing it to him, yep. and he was getting 25 to 30 touches a game, and he was getting almost 100, 150 yards from scrimmage. The loss of Gurley has never been filled. Well, and, and no, you mean, yeah. you, you got to be honest about it. It hasn't been filled to that production level. Right, and, right, and yeah, that, to and, the production level. And when he was such the, the mechanic that makes the car go here, to not have that replaced, or at least somewhat to that level, I mean... Well, I think that McAvey thought that it wasn't Gurley, but it was his system. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you don't let somebody like that go. I mean, yeah, running back, shelf life, 30 years old, okay, time to cut ties. Um, But you don't let somebody like that go, even with the knee procedures that he had, um, and just think, okay, you know, we don't need him. Mm -hmm. We're going to replace him. But then all of a sudden you go into the off you go into the off season you don't make any moves you just say all right we're going to go by committee but you you can't do that when your system before relied so heavily on one guy that's like the Giants right now you know you have Saquon Barkley you lose him you have to find a new identity you have to find next man you know up. yeah, yeah. But, but it's not next man up. you have to find a new identity because right. your ability to rely on that player to get you yardage is gone now. Yeah. And it's not going to be filled by one guy unless you change because Wayne Goleman is not Saquon Barkley. Right. You know what I mean? So like you have to be able to 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 morph yourself into that that system. You saw it with Dallas. Yeah. Tony Pollard is not Dak Prescott. No. Or not Dak. Fuck. It's and not it, Ezekiel yeah, Elliott. Right. However, he had a good game because they fed him the rock in positions that he could be successful, not the same way that they would do with Zeke. Yeah, uh, fair points. And that's where something that the Rams are going to need to fix going into the playoffs if they can make it that far, but they got two tough tests ahead of them. And for the Jets, they lost the number one pick. So yeah. Jacksonville is celebrating. I'm celebrating because I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence in the AFC East. So Trevor Lawrence might actually be coming out of college now. Yeah, we got to wait and see what happens there. But just, I mean, what a 2020 season. Yeah. yeah. Like, to yeah. put in a nutshell. So, yeah. But yeah, just like a stereotypical, that's like the Jets creme de la creme in a nutshell well and how many times do we look at the jets remaining schedule and try and figure out looking just at the teams you know all right who do they plausibly have a shot to beat i penciled the jet the patriots game i at least three or four times Mm -hmm. we we looked at it and i think all three of us went yeah no there's no way they're beating the rams yeah this should have been a lock but it was it was a complete leap to the definition yep Coach did bring up the Dallas Cowboys, so Pat, why don't we break that down, shall we? Yeah, so I chose the Dallas Cowboys to defeat the San Francisco 49ers. The Dallas Cowboys were not favored, uh, and the Dallas Cowboys ended up winning by the final score of 41-33. to uh, Andy Dalton had 19-33 of 33 for 209 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Nick Mullins had 21-36 of 36 for 219 yards passing, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Well, I mean, let's just start on the San Francisco side of things because, well, I mean, what are they doing at quarterback? Yeah, Bethard Mullins, Bethard Mullins. I mean, every week is somebody new. Well, and now they've signed Josh Rosen off of uh, Tampa Bay's practice squad. Yeah, I mean, 
I I, I think that's I I believe it's because Mullins might have gotten a little dinged up. He, he, got, mean, he got banged up. Yeah. So like, but still, like, what are you doing? Like, you, you keep going back and forth on these guys. You know, yeah. I mean, that shows that. Like, I mean, look at college when they try to run two quarterback systems. The shit mm-hmm. just doesn't work. Yeah. Like, there's no consistency. Yeah. So like, you're going back and forth. You know, team doesn't know who's going to be the starter one one week to the next. Quarterbacks don't know who's going to be the starter one week to the next, so they're in. You know, got to. There's no like consistency, and yeah. I, I think that's yeah. been a problem because San Francisco has been serviceable all year. I mean, the record mm-hmm. five and nine doesn't show it. However, in the NFC, you pull off. You know, let's say they win this Dallas game, all of a sudden they're now five and eight. Yeah, there's or six and eight. They're right there for a playoff spot. So. Yeah. It's all types of crazy looking at this. Okay. You know, it's definitely one that I, I looked at and I go, how in God's name is, you know, San Francisco favored by this? Just because you look, as we know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's done for the year. He's on IR. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? George Kittle's on IR. He's done for the year. You know, they're they're missing a lot of their main starter guys and just you don't know what you're going to get out of San Francisco's offense on any given Sunday ever since all those guys have gone down. So looking at the fact that Dallas is having a little bit of a resurgence, you know, when everyone kind of wrote him for dead once Dak Prescott went down for the year, they're having a little bit of a resurgence now with Andy Dalton at the head. Is he going to be the guy going forward? No. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's nice to know that, you know, you've got this guy in your back pocket. Should, God forbid, something happen, happen with Dak Prescott again, you've got this guy back there that, hey, he's pretty good if we need to go to him. Dalton is serviceable. I mean, at this stage, he, he's not going to take you to the Super Bowl per no. se, but he can no. definitely – Cover the bridge there until Dak or the next franchise guy comes in. Well, that's why they. I mean, that's why yeah. they signed him. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's part of the reason why Dalton, you know, went there. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, he, oh yeah. Obviously, New England was probably flirted with or at least talked to. I would think maybe. And you know, obviously, he saw the potential with Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb, Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, and was like, no, my my best choice is riding it out in Dallas, and if I get in, I get in. You know. So, good for him. He yeah. made the right decision. I yeah. Dallas is is uh, a threat. I think anytime they step on the field, mm-hmm. regardless of who's that quarterback, because you got so much skill yeah. and talent players on the outside that it it's nerve wracking for a defense. Oh, yeah, yeah, they should be dropping forty one a game. I mean, this is something that we thought down. we'd we'd see every game this year. I'm yeah, honest with you, they have. All I mean, the if their offensive line was a little bit better, and if they had a little bit. More consistent. I mean, this was the first game mm-hmm. where like they were run heavy. Yeah, yeah. No, I. You know, and I mean that's with having Ezekiel Elliott back there. So I think that's a bit of the problem. But you know, but they're trying to to get their identity going, especially with Mike McCarthy at the helm. And obviously, this season has not been something they look forward to. But they've gotten through it because mm-hmm. obviously, with all their injuries and Dak's contracts looming overhead, this has not been a typical season for the no, Dallas Cowboys. No, I mean, you know, minus everything going on with the world. But the fact that they got the win here against a team that is in flux right now with Frisco. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had so many injuries. Mm-hmm. You don't know what team you're going to get. They are playing hard, though. you got to yeah, admit yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So it's not like they just came in and completely down for them. But for Dallas, it's a solid win. So something they yeah. can build off. And obviously in that whole NFC East, it's, it's still a wide-open game. It's absolutely wild to see. So that being said, let's take a trip to the NFC North, shall we? 
And we got to talk about the Bears in Minnesota. Yeah, so, uh, Coach, I believe you had this as your leap, if I'm not mistaken. I, I do believe so. Yeah, so uh, the Chicago Bears ended up defeating the Minnesota Vikings by the final score of 33-27. to 27. Maserati Mitch Trubisky had 15-21 for 202 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Kirk Cousins, 24-35 of 35 for 271 yards passing, two touchdowns, and one interception. Coach, thoughts? Well, I mean, the Bears are playing really good football right now, and it's been a bit of a resurgence. Yeah. Um, and it starts and finishes with David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. They're they're finally establishing the run. They're not relying on you know Trubinsky or you know at the, before Nick Foles to be throwing fifty times a game to you know Allen Robinson, which is really the only threat they ha- they have offensively. Right. And you know now that they've been able to establish the run, which I mean that is the identity of the like. We're t- I know Bears we keep football. I know uh-huh. we keep talking identity, but like that is this team. Like when you have a defense as good as they have, which they do. You know, and I know it hasn't shown up on paper with, you know, Minnesota scoring 27 points. However, though, when you have a defense that is the potential that they have, you should not be trying to throw the ball that many times. You should be controlling Mm -hmm. the clock and game management, essentially, you know, and if you need to, like almost like a Tennessee, you know, if you need, uh, you know, to go out and score points, then that's when you let them loose. But otherwise, the game plan should be run right, run left, run right, run left. And then, you know, if you don't convert on third down, punt and let your defense try and finish the game. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely a good game for uh, Chicago. Like you mentioned, Montgomery, monster game, 32 carries, 146 yards and two touchdowns. And you, and it's funny, you know, a couple weeks ago we were talking about how bad the Bears are and they don't know what the hell they're doing because they had lost one, two, three, four, five, six in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, going from losing six in a row to now they've beaten the Houston Texans and then the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. So definitely a good resurgence for them. Whether You know, who's to say what happens here? Uh, switching to the playoff standings, they are currently, uh, where the heck are they? Oh, there they are. Uh, they're currently sitting in eighth place, so definitely in the playoff hunt. You know, could make some noise. I don't think they'll go very far, but they could definitely play spoiler and screw up somebody's plans. They could sneak in there at the seventh seed and obviously give the number two a fit. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they're going to win, but they can no. definitely give them some problems. But Chicago, man, you want to talk about a team that just could not get it together for consistency. This is the definition. But they are starting to put the pieces together. And Chicago Bears football is running the ball yeah. until you can't run no more. So to see that they finally got Montgomery going, that's what they needed to do. Where? Why are we waiting until week 15 to do this? I don't know. Beyond me. To flip the coin, though, Minnesota. Yo. It's bad when I believe it was Justin Jefferson Jeff- yeah. mm-hmm. calling out Kirk Cousins on the field. On the field, loud middle enough, of the play, loud enough to get picked up. Well, I mean, I understand emotion during the game. Well, sure, well, I mean, there's no fans, so yeah, yeah it's going to get picked up regardless. But I mean, the play in particular was uh, they were inside the, the red zone. Uh, Kirk Cousin was scrambling to his left. Uh, Jefferson felt like he was in a position early on in the play to get open. Cousins didn't see him. You know, he tries to evade. Uh, Jefferson runs to the right, you know, towards the goalpost. For a second, you know, he is open. Cousins doesn't see him, doesn't throw him the ball. He gets sacked, and Justin Jefferson lays the, fuck, Kirk, throw me the ball. And, you know. It just kind of sums up the team in the season. I mean, obviously, Kirk Cousins, with his contract, I think draws a lot more attention to Mm -hmm. himself. And obviously, if you're getting paid $90 million. Yep. Guaranteed. You better back that up. You got to back that up. So he's not came out publicly to complain about, but this is what sparked the whole, you like that? Mm-hmm. So right now for Minnesota, 
How are they liking that? Are they going to now switch a quarterback <laughs> in the offseason? I think you might have to. I mean, I, I listen, I, it's like a tough thing for me because, like, I understand where Jefferson coming from because a wide receiver that skilled, that big, you know, when they're open, they're open, you know, sure. and, and they're going to be sure. vocal about it. And, you know, I guess in one of the post-game interviews, he was called a diva, which is complete bullshit. I just – he – when you're a talented player like that, you have an ego. Like, it's just – it's – Every, it's a natural. It's a natural trait. Uh-huh. Every great athlete has an right. ego about and it. Every, it's called confidence. Yes, exactly. And not even is it just. It's just an aura around you. I mean, all right. Some guys express themselves differently. That's why I didn't give a shit. So many people, you know, when the Giants with Odell complained, and it was like, this is who this man is. Like he is emotional. Like yes, do you need to kind of bottle it and can concentrate it just a little bit more? Sure, but like he is an expressive person. Like oh, yeah. let that be. Yeah. You know, let that be creative. And Justin Jefferson, you know, the frustration came out because he felt like he was in a position to be open and give him the goddamn ball. You yeah. know, what I mean. And but on the flip side of it, to play devil's advocate. When your quarterback's scrambling mm-hmm. and he can't look downfield, like I was dealing with this all night Saturday night because Ian Book was running for his fucking life yeah. against Clemson, but there was nobody open. Aaron keeps – at first I said that he was you know holding the ball too much, but then when you saw the coverage, you're like, nobody's open. And that's what happened here. You just didn't see anybody. And when you scramble outside the pocket, your your ability and your vision – I mean, unless you're like you know a Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers – uh, yeah. You know, that level of talent, like you just don't see the field the same way because you kind of you, you tunnel vision. Yeah. You know, yeah. you focus on. Yeah. All right. I, I don't see any of the opposite jerseys right here. I'm running there. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, behind you and to the right of you. You, you can't see that. I was just going to say that because, uh, and I can't speak for this play, but it could have very well been an instance where, yeah, the guy that was on Justin Jefferson at the line wasn't anywhere near him. But Kirk Cousins, if he if he saw him, you know, could have been looking behind him and going, okay, yeah, the guy covering you is not there, but there's a guy behind you who's kind of lurking that if I toss this up in the air and ask you to go up and get it, a la, you know, pick your favorite center in the NBA. Yeah. He's gonna pop you, and there's no way you're gonna be able to come down with that. So he's like you said, tunnel vision. He sees what he sees, but Cousins is seeing more down the field. Now, I mean, has Cousins played poorly enough to get that sort of level of frustration out of Jefferson? Yes, yeah. like I, I, yeah, I, mean, I think you have to say yes. You, you can't deny that, but I mean, at the same time, it's like you know, you are a rookie. You know, understand your position. This is a an eight year veteran quarterback who you know is not playing great, but at least knows the position and knows what he's doing enough to say, all right, if I don't see you, I don't see you. Yeah. As, so, a man, as a man once said, know your role, and, well, you know the rest. Well, I mean, this created the problems with Stefan Diggs. That uh-huh. inevitably led to his departure. So I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that they're going to trade Jefferson. No, but, no, by no means. But I think this is something to keep an eye on moving forward. Absolutely. That if this starts spiraling out of control, the Minnesota coaching staff is going to have to make a, a very hard decision so, and, you gotta and figure, figure something out. And you got to figure, given how it went last time around, you would hope that the coaching staff and front office staff put them in a room with people there, lock the door and go, all right, we're going to sort this shit now. Well, this comes to a financial standpoint, too. This exactly. Because, oh, yeah. you know, you've got Thielen, you've got Jefferson, you've got Alvin Cook, you've got you know a pretty solid offensive line. Kyle Rudolph at tight end. You've got the skill talent you know around you that any you should be able to plug and play. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, oh yeah, facts. you don't you don't need to have necessarily the uh, a Patrick Mahomes level quarterback you know in order to be successful. But at the same time, Kirk Cousins' play does not 
you know, it does not reflect the ninety million dollars yeah. guaranteed. So, and that's the glaring headline from this. And the other, the other glaring headline is the 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 defense that has suffered from their investment in Kirk Cousins. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. At some point, you know, when you are, which they are able to get out of this contract without having any penalties right. this current mm. year, mm. you got to kind of reallocate that money to what you need. And for Minnesota, it'd be smart to really sit down and take a look because you know what you've gotten out of Cousins these past years. Not exactly. What you, exactly. Not what you wanted. Yeah, you, you get what you paid for, per se. Yeah. But I think they were expecting for a bigger investment. But you have to realize not everybody is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Not everybody's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. You need to be smart with the money in the cap because the NFL is one of the leagues, if not the best league, about monitoring a hard cap so everybody has parity in the league. For them to tie up that much money with Cousins was astronomical to begin with, but it just hasn't warranted. Well, that's why, you know, and a lot of, you know, people bring this up a lot, and you don't really realize it until you actually see it play out this way. But, you know, these teams that are successful right now and playing pretty well typically are the teams that have, you know, they got, they struck lucky with mm-hmm. good quarterbacks sure, in the sure, draft, sure. But their quarterbacks are on rookie deals. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're able to, you know, you know, these quarterbacks that, Probably when they have contract, you know, like Mahomes inevitably making the hundred million, you know, they're only making you know right now maybe what eight to twelve, depending on where Something, they get drafted yeah, a year. Yeah. So they're counting literally as one fortieth of your salary cap. When you know now you get them re-signed, they're now pretty oh, much more than half. Yeah, I was gonna so. Say. It's like you, or you strike, Mahomes, or Mahomes' case is ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah, and, and so you look at like Buffalo; they were like, "All right, we have Josh Allen on this rookie deal for what two more years? Mm-hmm. So let's go out and let's get Stephon Diggs to be a playmaker and put talent around Josh Allen that we can make a run because he is an upper echelon quarterback that they can make a run. You saw what happened to the Patriots oh, with yeah. Tom Brady and oh, the yeah. Giants with Eli. Oh yeah, you put this money, Joe, Joe Flacco and the Ravens. Yeah. yeah, you know, you put that investment into a quarterback, and then everything else suffers around you. So it's almost like, to me, it's laying the groundwork of, you know, unless it's a Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers where they can elevate the guys around them to the level of being a talented player. Mm-hmm. It's almost better to get, ride out these rookie deals and then saying. See ya. And well, then finding somebody else in the draft. Well, and I think, in, in especially Buffalo's case, they might be hoping, all right, let's put some success around him. Let's have some success. Maybe make a run or two deep in the playoffs. So that way, when it comes time to you know rework a new deal, he can sit there and go, hey, listen, I'll take whatever you give me that's good for the team because I know what we got here and I know what we can do and I know it's going to be something good. I don't want to tie up all this money on a mega deal. Yeah, ain't nobody doing that besides guys that are, you know, even Tom Brady for the four years that he did it, inevitably it was like, Nah, fuck you, pay me. Yeah, no, no, yeah, now he's sitting at the six seed. I, right. And I, I'm not saying this just as a Bills fan, but I think this. I think Allen is going to get – he's going to make a big deal. Oh, hell yeah. But I don't – I think he's going to be smart enough, too, to say, like, okay, we got to re-sign Diggs. We need to re-sign pieces around him. He might do, like, a weird kind of deal just kind of yeah. balance and, and, out. And he might do that, but then you look at Dallas yeah. with Dak Prescott. Yeah. You know, I mean, he knows – I mean, listen, I know I don't know him, but he has to know that it's not him. It's the nine pieces that he's – or ten pieces that he's got around him that make that team talented. Does he help? Sure. But w- without Amari Cooper, yeah, you know, without Michael Gallup, without Ezekiel, that's not the same team. And plus, but look what he was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But pay but, me as a top – top. pay me as the number one quarterback in the league. Listen, yeah. it's, listen, it's like Jerry Jones said. It's all the GM's fault. Right. It, well, it, Sure. Well, yeah, and in that case, that's an is. actual that's an actual quote, folks. But, so, what do you think Josh Allen's going to do when it comes time for that? He's going to say, 
fuck you pay me. Well, he'll yeah, but you know <laughs> what though? I think he has a good enough relationship with Brandon Bean that they'll work a, a fair deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's going to be the point where he's like pay me number, you know, pay me 30 million a year. Yeah, it might yeah. be it might be incentives. Yeah, yeah but well, it's going to be, be incentively. Well, hey, yeah. incentives still count on the cap though. Oh yeah, no. So, it, it'll be it'll get worked out enough that I, when when that time comes and especially depending on how far they go this year yeah. is going to be a real telling point because they are going to have to really kind of take a look at the books and see what they can do, but like I say, I've trusted everything they've done with it and I say in his case it's going to be a situation where I I just feel with the connection he has with the city that he'll be able to work something out to be fair to re-sign Stefan Diggs because he knows that's his, his success. Like between him and Cole Beasley, there's no other bigger pieces on that offense that he right. needs to have with him. Well, and everybody I, else is expendable. No offense, but it's true. And I just I know we're getting away, but that's to to the point of Minnesota. Yeah, they you know you signed this big investment, and then look what happened with the defense. Pieces started getting chipped away. Mm-hmm. You know the defensive line. You know started letting go guys go that were pretty good defensive line players. Linebackers started getting cut. The secondary got decimated. Yeah, they gosh. let. I mean, their number one corner left. You know, in free agency. So mm-hmm. it's like you let those things go, and then you trade Stephon Diggs. Yeah, you got Jefferson back, but like, what else did you get? You know, I mean. That these big investments in quarterbacks are killing teams. Exactly. I mean, another team that's going to be looking at that, Cleveland. Uh-huh. And with one Baker Mayfield. Oh, that's right. You, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> I would see. I wasn't gonna try. I was, I, I was like, oh, I was, get, I was getting ready to bring that up in my, you know, our two minute drill, and then all of a sudden, now I forgot that you picked them. Yes, uh-huh. I did. You because the Baker Express rolls on. Yep. 20 to 6, Pad, you got those stats ready? Yeah, so like you said, 20 to 6 was the final score. Baker Mayfield, 20 cent of, of 32 for 297 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interception. Colt McCoy, 19 of 31 for 221 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Bro, this is just, I mean, this was just a, t- a game of talent versus no talent. Yeah. That's it, that plain and simple. You know, I mean, and everybody's killing Joe Judge. I mean, if people watch the game, you know, early on, they, um, had two possessions where they were within the goal line. Uh, well, actually, three of their first or two of their first three possessions, they uh, went for it on fourth down instead of kicking field goals. So in theory, the game could have been fourteen and nine going into halftime. The Giants went for it on those fourth downs, did not convert, went into halftime down fourteen three, um, or maybe it was twenty one three. I I can't. It was blurry. I phased it's 13-3. out thirteen. Okay, thirteen three. Uh, yeah, the Giants could have been down 13-9 going into halftime. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I mean, I don't blame Joe Judge because he saw that what the Giants – first off, the Giants were decimated in the secondary with uh, two players being out, one due to injury, the other on COVID protocol, and James Bradbury, who is in the Pro Bowl and yeah, for he's good reason. Defender, yeah, yeah, he's the best defender. Well, Blake Martinez, but James Bradbury's right there. Yeah. Um, you know, and they had to rely on, you know, Julian Love, a converted corner safety, back the corner – and uh, Inman, who is just, I know, like he's played well, but I mean, I test not good mm-hmm. corner. And they had to play zone heavy. And Baker Mayfield was able to just dissect them. And every drive, it was just time and room. Baker Mayfield executing. So I'm not mad in the least bit. The Cleveland Browns are a goddamn good football team. Tip my cap to you. And Joe Judge, you going for it on fourth down? I don't blame you because, like you said. 
Field goals were not going to win this game. Yeah, uh, I think the real interesting thing about this not is, with this is not the game, but you look at the standings. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we thought the AFC North was locked, stocked, and delivered for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> it was theirs to take. Uh, P.U. Currently, the Pittsburgh Steelers have uh, clinched a playoff spot, but that's probably because they went 11-0, and and, well, at that point, you're pretty much in. Now they're sitting at 11-3. Second place is the Cleveland Browns, who are 10-4. and so and and here's where and red hot ten yeah. four. Uh, and here's where it gets real interesting. Uh, Pittsburgh to close out the year. Its game next week is uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, where currently Indianapolis is a one and a half point favorite. Uh, and then uh, next week the Cleveland Browns are playing. Of course, as we mentioned in previous episodes, they're playing the New York Jets. Uh, where currently the Cleveland Browns are a nine and a half point favorite. So let's That's just going to raise. So let's yeah. let's just hypothetically say that plays out. Uh, you know Pittsburgh loses and then the Colts uh, win. So then, then all of a sudden you're sitting at two teams at 11 and four. Who do they play the final week of the season? Each other. And who? where do they get flexed to? The Sunday, Sunday night, night game. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I, with the way Pittsburgh's been falling, and, and I know fans aren't happy about it, I can totally foresee this coming down to the last game of the year, you know, last week of the year, and, you know, winner take all. Cleveland finally got it together. Mm-hmm. It's wild to think about because I know we talked about how they were supposed to ride into the playoffs last year, and they didn't, and everybody was saying, okay, what went wrong, and is Baker really the guy? Kudos to their coaching staff because they found a way to make Baker work, and they established yeah. the run. And once you get the law firm of Chubb and Hunt going, <laughs> they're pretty damn unstoppable. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is that they have – you know, Stefanski has realized that they have a two really good running backs. Yeah. And it's let's establish, you know, and this is, I mean, what this reminds me a lot of is that 12 Giants team mm. where it was, you know, Bradshaw and Jacobs. Uh, Jacobs, and it's just the one two punch of, hey, we know that we're going to muscle you down the field. And then when it comes time to, uh, you know, you're putting eight or nine in the box, play action. And you know they have the wide receivers that are uh, that have the ability enough um, to get open with Jarvis Landry and um, the kid uh, Peoples out of uh, Peoples uh, Michigan, People Jones out of Michigan, um, and Njoku, you know, a tight end that yeah, really this it really really does remind me of that twelve Giants team. It's scary how much it does. They have got so much talent on the offset offensive side of the ball that when it comes time to re up contracts. Mm-hmm. This is going to be one to well, watch, too. I, that, but that's the weird thing, though, because, like, their best wide receiver is down. Yeah. You know, Odell Beckham out for the year. Jarvis Landry, you know, has been serviceable in Cleveland. He has not been the Jarvis Landry no. of Miami day. Speaking no. of somebody who has him on his fantasy team, uh, yes, you're yeah, absolutely it, right. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the rookie and people Jones from, you know, Michigan. I, keep, I don't know why I keep saying I'm from Michigan. But, anyway, that's where he's from. And he's not great. You know, so like Njoku is a solid tight end, but he's not great. But it's the running backs. No, even, it's Chubb. It's Hunt. It's yeah. these guys that Baker is able to rely on and get, you know, three to four yards per carry play action. Plus, I don't think he's that stressed out about getting everybody the ball. Like, no. I think with, with Odell, I mean, warranting what he wants because he knows the level of play he can do to right. on the field. I think that that was so much pressure on him to get the ball that Baker was forcing a lot. Facts. Of so now that he's not there, I mean they're a better team. I it, it is the paper test doesn't lie. <sighs> Don't. I but mean, see, but see, like because the one problem is when he's on the field, yeah, he does add another element to it. But to get the ball to other receivers and get more people involved, right? Cleveland's playing better. It's like here's the here's the difference between like if you want to compare Buffalo to them, right? Which okay. are which I think is a fair comparison. Sure, no, I agree. Stefan Diggs knows 
and, and accepts his position in the offense, but they still have the ability to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. The problem is because they throw a lot. Yeah. Because Josh Allen has the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. However, Baker is not a fifty to or, or thirty to forty pass attempts per game kind of guy. Right. You know, you don't want that. You want tw- you want more twenty five to thirty five tops. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, is those limits the ability to get the ball to Odell Beckham, which then becomes the issue because you want to get your playmaker the ball in a way that he has space, time, and room, right? Yeah. But if you're running it 40 times a game and then only throwing it 20, that leaves Odell like, what, two to three touches a game? And that becomes the problem. Yeah. Uh, all I know is I don't envy being anyone in the front office of Cleveland. Uh, I looked it up on Spotrack.com. Uh, coming up this offseason, Cleveland has 26 players who are going to be free agents. Oh, and, oh, by the way, that's with 2022 looming where both uh, Baker and Chubb are going to be free agents. So they're yeah. going to have a lot of work to do, but right now they have to be enjoying the winning, and I think that they're smart enough to know that – if they can keep everybody together, they'll have a good future. But they're also going to have to rework those deals like Pat is touching upon, too, because Kareem Hunt, I know, is on a, a very low deal, but now uh-huh. he's going to draw some interest. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he's, like, he's on a limited-year deal. I don't think he's signed like for No, yeah, he was. I think that was because like, he got released by Kansas City. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'm John pretty Do- sure he just signed on. Yeah, and John Dorsey is the one who brought him in because right. he was former GM from KC. So. Right. Cleveland is definitely going to have to take this advantage to win now. Kareem Cook is a free agent in 2023. Yep. Oh, okay. So he's got deal. Yeah, he's got time. So Cleveland is going to have to win now, and they're doing it the right way. They're establishing the run. And you know what? I'm taking nothing away from the Giants on this one. I thought Judge. I agree with you, Coach. Thanks. I I I know this is a weird thing. We're agreeing about this. Yeah. Well, we know. I mean, we do time to time. Yeah. Yeah. On occasion. Yeah. But I agree that he should. That he had nothing going wrong about going for it. I just the, the play calling. The play calling you can was you, bad. You can say is a little suspect. Yeah, but that's but, not Joe Judge. That's Freddie Kitchens, who was the offense coordinator because Jason Garrett was out with COVID. Exactly. So, so. I say, <laughs> you, 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 we knew this was, was right. And this line. is a time. This is you know. I mean, I optim. You know, here's the funny thing though. Like when you know, I texted you guys when the when it got released that he was out, and I, I had this feeling of like, all right. Interesting, you know, like the offense for the Giants has been a little stagnant. It's been a little, uh, you know, not explosive to say the least. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's see what Freddie does. Let's see what he dials up against his former team. And they tried to stretch the field a little bit more than what they would do normally. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously Daniel Jones not being in a quarterback limits the ability to run the stretch reads and oh, all sure. that stuff that opens up the run game. Uh, but you saw in the Arizona game, he's not healthy. Right. So this was the right play playing Colt. Colt played well. I mean, 19 of 31 is pretty goddamn good. You so say he did what you expected him to do. Yeah, play. I mean, yeah. I would. you tell me a quarterback went 19 of 31, I'm going to be like, that's a pretty well, solid so performance. We weren't excited. I wasn't exactly expecting Patrick Mahomes uh, yeah. type numbers. Exactly. Yeah, nobody should be expecting And, that. I mean, the, the, the secondary for Cleveland's really goddamn good. Oh, yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. tough, you know? Yeah. So, like... I left this game knowing that, all right, the Giants obviously are not going to get the top pick in the draft. So Trevor Lawrence thing is gone, obviously. I'm not too I'm not in love with Justin Fields, so I'm not like, all right, they, you know, should get him. Like they need to go out and they need to get uh the Devontae Smith from Alabama type Ooh, kid. Mm-hmm. They need to go out and they need to get a wide receiver. And then after that they need to start looking at the defensive line and secondary. Yeah. That's that's what I left this game taking away of. It's it was literally eerie of the Notre Dame game. They have no talent on the out like I shouldn't say that. The Irish do have talent on the outside, but like 
just the Giants don't have that elite wide receiver that like yeah. these teams. Yeah. And I've said this before. Great teams have elite wide receivers on the outside, mm-hmm. and the Giants just don't have that. Yeah. And that's the problem. In comparison, like with Seattle, who has DJ, DK Metcalf, who's <sighs> emerging. Yeah. And, and, and who I boasted. I just can't stop raving about the fact that I nailed that. Yeah, but for my leap, though, I was wrong because I took Washington because I thought they might scrap. I thought the yeah. whole West Coast team coming east would throw a little problems, and it did until – just about the fourth quarter. So, Pad, you got the breakdown? Well, Washington did scrap, just not in the way you hoped. Uh, yeah. Seattle won by the final score of 20-15. to 15. Russell Wilson, 18-27 of 27 for 121 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. Dwayne Haskins Jr., 38-55. of 55. Holy shit. Yeah, he uh, was proud of himself. Yeah. For 295 yards passing, uh, one <coughs> touchdown, two interceptions. A little celebration that he had. <coughs> yeah, he's got a little uh, Whoopsies. something going on right now that uh, <laughs> we're waiting to hear a little more confirmation about, but uh, yeah, Haskins definitely played his best game. Yeah, and he made it known. Yeah, and he definitely <laughs> made it known. And, uh, you know, you can't really say too much about this. Seattle did what we thought they were going to do. They definitely That's a scrapped. big win for them. It's a oh, big win. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Again, yeah. I mean, I'm stressing the fact that East, West traveling East, 1 o'clock game, tough against a hot Washington team. Obviously, Alex Smith not playing. So, you know, not uh, the same level of talent quarterback wise I guess to say I mean no, that's fair Alex Smith's played really well coming back from you know almost losing a leg so yeah. like yeah you know I mean obviously the that you know little hitch there the offense didn't play great against San Francisco however they scored like seven defensive touchdowns against them so like yeah. you would think like they would be able to get after Russell Wilson and everything and no they the yeah. Seattle went and took care of business which was a much much needed win for them. Definitely a good win for Seattle. They needed to stay tough and they needed to keep winning, especially like we mentioned before, how how tight that NFC West conference is. And it's a good test for them, especially with how good Washington's defense is and, and how quietly good they are. That you know, come playoff time, you're not gonna you're not gonna be playing these teams that you can just steamroll and have, you know, Russell Wilson put up nine hundred yards passing and DK Metcalf have like hundred and three touchdowns in one game. Yeah. These games are gonna be scrappy. They're gonna be dog fights. They're gonna be, you know, down in the trenches, you know, fighting for every yard, fighting for every touchdown down and and this was a good test for them that you know this is a team that i think a lot of fans who might not look at the stats and might not look at the numbers and go oh yeah no seattle should totally steamroll washington yeah not so much yeah i definitely agree about it i mean this was definitely a scrappy game it was definitely back and forth but seattle did what good teams do they find ways to win and once they get metcalf going they were doing okay and russell wilson like i said not the greatest uh, day on the stat line but a win is a win, and it's a much-needed uh-huh. win. So, yeah. That being said, let's go into that two-minute drill pad. What you got to kick off? Uh, you know I like to shit on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for obvious reasons, but if there's one team I like to shit on more, it's the Atlanta Falcons. And my God, I think the entire— <laughs> They did it again. <laughs> I think the entire state of Atlanta's most feared thing uh, isn't, you know, death. It isn't, you know, uh, darkness. It isn't, like, snakes or spiders. I think it's Tom Brady himself. Yeah. Because, God damn it, the man did it to him again. Again? D- down. He did it again. Uh, for those of you who— don't know uh atlanta was up 17 to nothing at halftime on tampa bay tom brady did that pose that i think we've all seen uh sitting very dejectedly on the sidelines and then the man came back and ended up defeating the atlanta falcons by the final score of 31 to 27 brady had 390 yards passing two touchdowns no interceptions uh uh, matt ryan 356 yards passing three touchdowns no interceptions the receiving core for tampa bay though good god almighty uh mike evans six catches 110 yards Antonio Brown, five catches, 93 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Cameron Brait, uh, four catches, 54 yards, zero touchdowns. Chris Godwin, four catches, 36 yards for one touchdown. 
Atlanta's broken. Like they, yeah, they're done. Dude, they're fuck. done. Like I get doing it once in the Super Bowl that I absolutely love, uh, but to have it happen again, dude, Jesus, fuck. Like, <laughs> what can you say? Like, like, it, like if, just... if if there was some way to pull the entire state of Georgia and say, what is your number one fear in life? Some people might say death. Some people might say snakes. Some people might say some bizarre thing. I guarantee you at least 60, 70% of the population is going to go Tom Brady. Like, yeah. it's just like, this is, I mean, when the, the Cowboys were rolling in the 90s and going to playing the Giants, you know, yeah. it was like, all right, how much are they going to lose by now? You know, mm-hmm. but like the Giants were never up. And then, you know, the Cowboys came back. It sure. was always just getting sealed. Sure. Like, I couldn't even imagine being a fan of this team and having that feeling of we're up. Oh, shit, they're coming back. Oh, shit, we lost again. I'll say, yeah. see, Ken and I both know two people who are, are, are Falcons fans. Are, are diehard fans. Diehard yeah. Falcons fans. One of which I know very well. You know, I live with him for a time uh, You know, in an apartment. But I don't even have the heart to bring it up to him or even ask him about it just because... He lives and dies by this team. He when sure. we when we were living together in an apartment, he had Atlanta. He's got an Atlanta Falcons helmet, like an actual like human size helmet. He's got a you know a little mini you know maybe ten inch uh, statue of of Matt Ryan. He's got a photo with some family members when they went down to a Falcons game at the old at the old at the old stadium. You know he's he lives and dies by this team. You know, and I just don't have the heart to bring it up to him. It's just got to be soul taking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't say anything about it other than at least Atlanta's got good food. Yeah, and cheap in the arena. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, there's so. there's a lot of other great things about Atlanta, but just their football team is absolute. Yeah, abysmal. Yeah, sorry, it is what it is. Revamp everything. Start over from burn scratch. it down. Burn it down like burn we've been talking about. Burn it down. Coach, what you got? Uh, well, I mean, I just really, I mean, obviously, I thought I was going to talk about the Giants, but obviously, you picked them in your lock because you're a jackass. But um, <laughs> I'm going to go. Mean, I'm going to go with uh, the Tennessee Titans, who all of a sudden found an offense. They went to the offense store and they said, you know, hey, can we pick uh, pick something up? And they were like, yeah, you know, how much? Uh, what do you want? And they just all of a sudden uh, came out of the store with this uh, dangerous efficient offense that's yeah. just wild i mean Tannehill, 21 27 three touchdowns derrick henry running you know like a man possessed right now thank you for my fantasy team uh you know davis uh, uh aj brown i mean pff, before it was derrick henry heavy says the derrick henry show yeah it was the derrick henry show and then just you know hey let's play a little bit of defense in the receiving core only in the last couple of weeks Right, just because I I started. But Tannehill's yeah. still playing well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, totally. It's very surprising. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to see what Tennessee is doing, and now if they can get Tannehill throwing the ball, they might be the scariest team going in the playoffs. Could be fair statement. I I would not want to face them in the first round, and I'm just hoping they kind of clinch the division because I don't want to have to deal with them as a Bills fan. I'll say Tennessee is currently the four seed. Yeah, so if they can definitely face Miami, if they somehow sneak in there and absolutely run them out of the stadium, I'll be completely happy about it. I might have to go get a Derrick Henry jersey if he does that. But, yeah, they're definitely playing at such a high level now, and, like, they're my sleeper team for the playoffs. Like, you, if you because if you get Derrick Henry running the ball mm-hmm. against Patrick Mahomes and you can keep him off the field. And if Derrick Henry gets on a roll. Yeah. 
Who the hell is going to stop them? Like if Derrick, if Derrick Henry starts running downfield and you and you need like nine guys to try and tackle him, yeah, good luck. Here, here's the thing though that is like, this is what's scary, right? So mm. they get into a shootout with Kansas City. Oh Jesus! They have the ultimate X factor because let's just say Kansas City's or Tennessee goes up, mm-hmm. right, and they're up maybe four points with. Seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They know that their defense can't stop them. You know, right, right. They can just hand the ball off to Derrick Henry uh-huh. and let him finish out the game. Uh-huh. Like that's the difference between like Cleveland's not going to be able to go in, in a shootout. No, Buffalo will, but what they don't have is Derrick Henry to close out the game. Yep. Agreed. And that's yep wild because if Tannehill's scoring, throwing three touchdowns, and they're in a game, they're just going to say, "All right, it's." Hand the ball off to Henry. You know, it's Jack like, Cito time. Yeah, it'll be like Mariano coming on the field. Exactly. That's literally, that is the perfect comparison. Yeah. Because that's exactly what they can do. Yeah, and I don't see anybody stopping him. No. I, I, you you yeah, can't. You can't. You see the stiff arms he's throwing. I mean, even if you do stop him, then they're just going to go back to throwing the ball. Yeah, yeah. and they got two good receivers. And Tannehill's found a resurgence. He actually has receivers that can catch the ball in an offense he trusts. Look at the difference. It's scary to see. Mm-hmm. I guess for mine, I I could go off about the Bills clinching the AFC East. And, I mean, it was a great win against Denver, but it was a blowout. I actually want to bring up our locks and leaps. Okay. And I want to bring up our Yahoo group. Okay. Because I I haven't talked about this uh, in a while because usually I would give the rundowns. but Haven't I been kicked in the pants enough this episode? No, no, because I actually got to give a shout-out to Aaron. Yeah. Because – Go ahead. I've heard it enough. This past week, she dropped – a thirteen point week. <laughs> Yo, she missed one wow. game. Had wow. two draws. Wow, she had two draws. And I know the, she and, was fucking red hot. And the nuts. only one she missed was Baltimore and Jacksonville. Yeah, wow. And I good for and her. We because the thing was is that at the house we had talked about we weren't going to pick double digit dogs anymore mm-hmm. or favorites because they're just not hitting right now. Yeah, and I was you know so that she saw the spread she was like. I'm gonna. I have to. You know, I gotta pick Baltimore. I'm like, but double digit. Like, I don't know. And she's like, you know what? You're right. Like, double digits haven't done well for us. I'm just gonna stick to, uh, you know, I'm gonna go with the Jags then. And you know, obviously, Baltimore all of a sudden found their offense yeah. and absolutely laid the hammer. Um, but oh no, I listen. I heard it all fucking weekend. I know all weekend because, like I say, I, we haven't been talking about it on here, but everybody involved Dude, gets an update about it. Checks this shit so much, like. So I checked fantasy yeah. every 15 minutes because scores happen. Yeah, sure. She's literally checking this every five seconds. Yeah. Like, all right, what's the score of this game? Oh, uh, Baltimore's up 7-3, to three and it's uh, one minute into the first quarter. Yeah. That's it. I've lost. That's done. And I'm like, <laughs> relax. Like, yeah. it, it, the spread's this. Like, you're all right, you know? But, like, yeah, I mean, I said that she needed to play the Powerball. I was like, you're fucking red hot right yeah. now. It's nuts. She she definitely needs to get to, like, a, a fan duel or something and start doing some parlays. So, I mean, shout out to you, Aaron. I will give the credit. Because, like I say, I haven't been talking since the game's been shifted around, so I don't want to give, like, the an inaccurate scores and you know, sure, rankings. Sure, sure, sure. Because, I mean, obviously, everything's getting tight going into the final two weeks. And mm-hmm. I thought I had a 10-point lead because I have 118 points now. No, Aaron is right behind me with 113 wow. after this week. Wow. Coach, you're right there at 107. Yeah, she was she was happy to have us be 1-2-3. Yeah. Colby Mack is tied with you, too. Shout out to Colby with 107. 
Uh, JVD's right there, too, with 105. Tyler uh, is there, too, from Second Suitor, 104. It's getting tight there. The 607 bracket, i got to do a little math on because, Pad, uh, Rich has taken advantage of the rule that you did Okay, if he missed a pick. <laughs> oh, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so because he because obviously, as we've touched upon through yeah. the entire weekend with the ODPH, we're still digging out the 45-inch blizzard. Yeah. So Rich missed his pick, so he took the entire night games yeah. on Sunday to catch up. Sure. That's fine. Yeah, no, that's fine. yeah, yeah. So I definitely got to mention that. So that's why we haven't been posting it on social media but that's why we tell you to join in the conversation on social media so you can find all our links at ochoduroparleyhour.com you can join in the conversation on twitter at odparleyhour you can go to the facebook where it's always the pin tweet of the week and i gotta retally all the uh scores right now there because for the 607 bracket it's getting a little back and forth but we have a lot to discuss about and definitely want to give a shout out to Vinny. Picking with a coin, yeah. Who is making a straight? He's making a run too in the whole podcasting content creating bracket too. Yeah, my mind was blown off air. So, yeah. So definitely a lot of movement this week. Definitely a lot to talk about. So hit us up on that social media account. Let us know what you thought about Week 15 in the NFL. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This a Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycalledthisamovie.podbean.com. They Called This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and today as we are recording basketball has returned the NBA is back uh-huh. and we are going to give you our season preview of the NBA 2021 season kicking off with the Eastern Conference so coach basketball is your favorite sport it is my favorite sport so why don't you kick us off yeah I mean uh I where, where do we want to start we want to start obviously we want to start with the Knicks yeah, let's go there. All right. Uh, you know, I am hesitantly optimistic about this season. Uh, I really think that this is going to be a solid year um, for a potential um, rebuild and retool into the future. Um, Obi Toppin obviously has shown uh, some great um, moments in preseason i think that uh rj barrett you know is finally going to find his niche under tom thibodeau where he's not going to need to be a primary ball handler primary um you know get guys open kind of guy slasher style player you know he's going to be able to free roam he's going to be able to get in spots to be open um and you know contribute that way offensively where it's not so heavily upon him as it was you know last season under Fisdale where he was playing point guarded stretches he was playing you know the off ball on ball type guy um I think Kevin Knox is going to be able to finally grow a little bit and have some confidence in his game where they're not going to just monitor everything he does and when something bad happens yank him mm. um 
I'm a little nervous about the Mitch Robinson, Nerlens Noel situation um, because I don't think that Nerlens Noel should be the starting center. I think it should be Mitch. He plays better when he starts. He gets in the groove of the game better. He doesn't force so many things. Um, I mean, literally each game that he came off the bench, he got foul trouble and, you know, eventually fouled out. So, I mean, that just shows you that he shouldn't be, you know, there. And then, you know, obviously the point guard situation is a fucking mess. Yeah. It's an absolute mess. Oh, I mean, I'm not. I'm, I, hold on. Let me go to Julius Randle first, the inevitable black hole that he is offensively. Um, I know he's the most skilled, quote unquote, player that the Knicks have right now. I can't wait for the trade deadline when they inevitably move him for assets because a contending team is definitely going to take on a skill set that he has as a big four who can stretch the court um, and has the ability to score in the paint. So I'm very, I'm very excited for that. Um,. And then the point guard position, what a mess. You know, Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nilakina, Emmanuel Moutier, um, and then uh, Austin Rivers. Austin, well, Austin Rivers is going to play the two, so I'm uh, all right with that. And then Emmanuel Quickly. Now, yeah. that's what I'm excited about because Quickly looked fantastic in that preseason game um, playing uh, as the starting point guard. Now, I know it's a preseason game, but Cleveland did play their starters, and this was the second of back-to-back games, and he played really well. He 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 pairs well with R.J. Barrett in the backcourt. I think that you know you could also plug him in with like a lineup of him, Frank, um, and R.J. Where you know Emmanuel uh, quickly has the ability to shoot the three consistently mm. enough that teams will have to respect him, and he attacks the rim at a level that you know the other point guards don't do. So. I'm really I'm I'm optimistic. I don't think that they're going to make a playoff run or any of that craziness, but I do think that they're going to have enough nice pieces that these four first round picks that they're sitting on inevitably need to be moved for a all-star level player. I got to agree with you. I think that they'll take a step in the right direction. Obviously, I, you know me, I love what everything with Leon Rose has done, and I think that they have the potential to start writing the ship. Am I saying they're going to make the playoffs? No, probably not. But I think with Thibodeau at the helm, there's a whole new vibe that for Knicks fans we can be excited about. That maybe it's not getting the big free agents to come to New York, but we're just going to start at the ground level and build up, which is something that I think they need to do at this at this stage because we can't get much worse. We just really can't. But they're taking the steps in the right direction. The, the draft picks have been on point. And I just want to see them contend. Not necessarily get to the A seed, maybe do a little higher, maybe overachieve, sure. But start proving that they're worth playing because the past couple of years, they've been atrocious. We have, like, I don't even want to say flashes of brilliance because I don't think that's right. But I want to say that, okay, if I'm going to sit there and watch them, that they are worth my time watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully optimistic that this is going to be a season that I'll start seeing some of that. Because in comparison to Brooklyn, and I know that that has been the overwhelmingly headline of the offseason for the Eastern Conference. I think that's a fair statement. For one reason or another. Yes. The absolute reality show that's going to happen there is going to just be a nightmare for teams to deal with. Because when they're going to be getting asked questions about the trio of Durant... Kyrie and Harden, and I'm including him in this mix because ever since they've dropped that bombshell that he's trying to get to Brooklyn, they've just taken on a whole different take with the media. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to just be a distraction because we're now going to see Kevin Durant coming back from a very serious injury. 
you have Kyrie, who's going into Kyrie mode. And what are we going to get out of him in Brooklyn? I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic just because you're going to have a Durant who's motivated as all get out because mm. of the injury, and he wants to come back. He wants to prove that he's still that elite player, that elite scorer. But then you've also got the interesting thing with Kyrie, who's kind of just doing Kyrie things, you know, and the whole Sage thing notwithstanding. Yeah. Because I think it's going to be a case of when they're winning and when they're scoring well and they're holding teams and and check on defense, it's going to be great. It's going to be sunshine. It's going to be roses. The grass is going to be smelling great. You know, the lemonade's going to be tasting awesome. But it's going to be the interesting thing, and, and, and that's true for every team. When you're winning, it, it works great and everything's awesome. The tell is going to be when they start losing, when they might go on a little bit of a losing streak. I'm not saying anything historic, but let's just say they they lose eh, three out of four. Sure. You know, they have the every team will have that stretch. That to me will be the tell of how good are they. You know, they had a year to basically sit there and chat with each other and and make connections and become buddy buddy and friends. But that was without them playing on the court together and going through you know the fights night in and night out. Yeah, coach. Yeah, I mean Brooklyn's inevitably just going to fall apart. I yeah. I just don't I don't see how it doesn't play out the way that it inevitably leads to some sort of divorce. Um, it, my my thing is, is I don't necessarily know if it's going to be pulled in the direction of the James Harden trade. You know, like is the popular theory. But what I do think is going to end up happening is there's too many personalities between mm-hmm. the coaching staff that was brought in and the players, yeah, that it's going to lead to something having to change. Because, I mean, I watched one of the preseason games with the Nets the other day, and, I mean, Durant was playing the point guard for the most part. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's Kyrie. You know, yeah. I mean, he is a po- – like, although he is a scoring point guard, he is a true point guard. Like, so if you literally have Durant initiate the offense the entire time – what does that leave Kyrie to do? You know what I mean? So, like, every once in a while, you know, like, even in Golden State, you know, like, Steph would bring up the ball and initiate the offense. Draymond would do it. Kevin would do it. So, like, you had that kind of platoon enabled in, or, or to start the offense. Like, if it's just constantly Durant. Like, I watched a stretch of this preseason game, and it was literally – I mean, Kyrie would literally grab a rebound and give it to Durant. So, like, he wasn't even looking to initiate the offense. And the offense was literally just Kevin – isolating on the wing uh on the top of the you know the top of the three point line and it was just isolation ball that's not that's not going to fly like there's going to become a stretch where Kyrie's going to be like I need the ball yeah you know so like I just I don't see it working I don't see you know I I'm I'm a little bit worried about Steve Nash uh, Steve Nash a first time head coach mm-hmm. coming into this team with uh-huh. this volatility with uh-huh. this person with this amount of personalities you know cuz it was different when Kevin went to when Durant went from you know Oklahoma City to Golden State you know they had already established a winner so like you know it's like that star player coming to winning culture what are you inevitably going to do you're going to form into the culture that's already built there oh, yeah. and yeah all right there might be cracks at the seam but you assimilate to what they do because it's successful. There isn't that in Brooklyn. No. And with Nash now being a first-time head coach, you know, it's probably going to be a lot of what used to be the problem with the Knicks with Derek Fisher. It's going to be a lot of the inmates are running the asylum. And mm-hmm. that's going to become an issue as the season goes on. And I think we're at the case where Steve Nash wasn't a head coach and you had another guy in there who was well-respected and, and, and very well-liked, you know, pick a name. I think he they would be able to hold you know the dam together for a bit, but inevitably it would crack and, and the water would come out. But I think because, like you said, it's 
you know, they all, all, I'm pretty sure most players in the NBA present and retired who have played with him and against him respect Steve Nash, the player, Steve Nash, the coach don't really know. Yeah. It's going to be a wild scenario to watch because I think there's just so many egos involved in Mm -hmm. the biggest media pressure cooker in the entire world. Yep. Say what you will. Playing in New York is definitely different than playing in Orlando and Indiana and Cleveland. It's a whole different animal to deal with. And when you have very, can we say fragile egos? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's like, I know it's 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 there. Like, it's a yeah. storyline. I know it's low-hanging fruit. I just, my my concern isn't so, like, I know they're going to win games. Like, talent oh, yeah. is there. Oh, yeah. It's just my problem is that this is just a Molotov cocktail that, you know, Nash is not going to be able to control this to a point where players are going to respect and listen to him. Because, I mean, you look at what happened with Jason Kidd when he was the Nets coach. Yeah. And you saw what Kevin – I mean, these were guys that he played with. Yeah. Even. Kevin Durant, Joe Johnson, Paul Pierce, when they got traded over there. And not necessarily dissension, but just the, wait, who's what, where, why, who, you know? So, yeah, it, you know, Nash has D'Antoni on his staff, which will help. But still – you know, it's not. It's just. It's not going to be a pleasant thing in Brooklyn. It's just a recipe for disaster. And I know on paper everybody's in the honeymoon phase right now. Oh sure, sure. But it's just. Are you going to be able to contend with the Miami Heat? Are you going to be able to contend with the Boston Celtics? I, th- I think for anyone who's outside of you know the Brooklyn area or the Nets fan fan area, the 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 fuse is lit on this powder keg, and it's all, only a matter of when it's going to go off. Right. Because I thought the 76ers would be the bigger storyline with you know how Embiid and Simmons have not been getting along and what you're going to do there. Doc Rivers has taken over the helm. Yep, yep. So what are we feeling about that? I mean, I it was an interesting hire from the standpoint of, you know, you obviously saw what played out in, in Los Angeles uh, with the Clippers. Um, and Doc was, I mean, pretty much hired the next within 24 hours, 48 least, hours tops. At least, yeah. Um, I know that, you know, a couple other guys interviewed for the job, but as soon as Doc got let go, it was pretty much just his job to lose. Um, it's very interesting. You know, I it'll be I, I'll be curious to see how he maximizes uh Ben Simmons um with being the ball dominant, you know, forward guard that he is and how he's able to spread the floor and still get Joel Embiid looks in the paint. I mean, to me, the most logical thing is they that this is the James Harden trade destination. Mm-hmm. That him paired with Joel Embiid being able to stretch the floor and let Embiid get in the paint is key. Yeah. I mean, it's a good hire for them. Veteran presence won an NBA championship with the uh, Celtics. You know, so he does bring a level of, you know, comfortability and, and you know what you're going to get with him. But that being said, not much has changed under the hood, so to speak, in terms of players and who they got. You know, nothing drastically, nothing to go, holy shit, this improves them ninefold. Because they still have to get through Boston, they still have to get through Toronto, they still have to get through Milwaukee, and they still have to get through Miami. Doc Rivers is good, and he's a good addition for the coaching staff and being the head coach. But that being said, they haven't really added anything or done anything that makes me go, oh, yeah, they can beat all those other teams I just mentioned. I agree. I think that Doc Rivers is going to add some stability. But you have to move either Embiid or Simmons. You got to move one. Yeah, I think Simmons is the one that go. I think that he could be in play for that James Harden trade. Albeit though, which we'll talk about next segment with Harden and and the toxicity that's going on in Houston right now. Do they want to bring him in to Philly? That could be a whole different animal right there. Nah, I think my the thing with that, and we'll talk about it's it's his play to get out. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's what star players do. You yeah. know, they – Latrell Sprewell, you know, they they rebel, they fight against, they push, they push, they push until the inevitable, you know, button gets to the point of we have to move on. Yeah. Minnesota, J- Jimmy Butler. You yeah. know, like this is this is that style play. And it's going to be something that for Philly, if he winds up there, I just don't think they, they, they would still make him a lead. I think they'd ask a lot to get for him. I think the only thing working in his favor is that there won't be any fans in the stands right now. That could also help, too. But once they get in there, though, him dealing with that Philly crowd could get Dave ugly. Dave Santa Claus. No, nah, I mean, it's not like he, it's not like he's a fragile dude. It's no. Just, his problem is that he's not fucking happy. And he has every right to be. You 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 bring in, you know, uh, the system that's built around him. You you cultivate a culture of him being uh, the man, the mm-hmm. guy, you know. And then all of a sudden, you trade one of his friends, which in the NBA is sacrilegious. You know, yeah. you just you don't do that to these star players because they don't take it well. Yeah. I mean, sorry. No, I mean, it, I'm it, not trying to be like that guy, but like that's that's the story. It's the facts. The players run the league. Right. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. it's it's a whole different animal to talk about. Yeah, you know, and then you, in comparison like football and yeah. baseball, it's just the NBA is a player ran league. You know, and then you fire the coach that built this offense predicated on his ability to get to the rim and finish, mm-hmm. you know, in a pick and roll system, isolation ball that he absolutely thrived in. So you let that you fire that, you know, you trade his friend, and now you bring in a coach who you know is putting in his own system that obviously doesn't mesh well with um, James Harden currently. Yeah, and fl- tempers are flaring. So I, my to me the most logical thing is Philadelphia because of the fact that Doc Rivers will not necessarily. I mean, first off, him and Joel Embiid in a pick and roll, pick and pop situation, lethal. Mm-hmm. Then you talk about Tobias Harris and him running the pick and roll, right? Yeah. Also filthy. So like that's a dangerous combination, you know. Um, and I think Doc Rivers will be able to control the personality because that's what Doc Rivers does. He's done it for you. I mean, you had Kevin Durant, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Rajon Rondo all in the same locker room. Yeah. And he managed all of that. So, no, River, yeah, Rivers can definitely handle egos. So I think that it will be an easier transition. I just don't know if he winds up there. Like, that's the only yeah. thing with Harden. I, no, I mean, I, I know, get that. But that's why I think he's going to walk in there. And I think that's why they actually signed him is if they're going to try and make it in a run with Simmons and Embiid. I just don't see it happening. I mean, my problem is is that if, and if, if Simmons is not going to be willing to shoot, which if last year shows that, that's a, that's a problem. Oh, it's a huge problem. Like, you cannot operate in this current environment of the NBA – and not be willing to shoot threes right. at any position. Right. It just it doesn't make sense, especially if you're going to be a guard. It's going to be something to to watch with them because I mean, obviously Philly is just starting from the ground up, and obviously trying to get a star player there is going to be an issue. But it's something they can definitely work around because the stars they have right now just aren't meshing. Yeah. To flip the coin though to Milwaukee, who just locked up their star mm-hmm. long term. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling about the Bucks? Uh, repeat, repeat division champs, obviously. Yep. Uh, and they had a finishing record last year, fifty six and seventeen. Would not surprise me if they improve on that record. Oh, for sure. They're, I mean, they're going to be absolutely a, a monster to deal with. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think that the addition of Drew Holiday being the ability, because I mean, yeah, Eric Bledsoe is a serviceable guard, but he's not Drew Holiday who can go out and get you twenty to twenty five a night consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric Bledsoe was more of like a, a ten to. 15 to 16 guy um he's only going to help Giannis and you know what if Giannis wants to be the uh you know a point forward 
Drew Holiday can play the off guard. That's what he did in New Orleans. So, like, that's already shown that he works with that. So that's also going to be, you know, um, uh, something to look out for. And, yeah, I mean, I definitely like Milwaukee coming out of the East. I'm, I hesitate to put them as my favorite because, you know, there is still that team in Miami that is scrappy mm-hmm. as shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of lean towards that because, I, you know, I'm Jimmy Butler blind and Tyler Hero blind, but – if I had to, I would probably put Milwaukee as my one seed just because the longevity of the season will lead to them being able to win some games that you know Miami might slip up on. Yeah, I agree. I think that Milwaukee did do a lot to improve. Drew Holiday is a huge addition, and obviously he's an upgrade from Eric Bledsoe is what it is. I know they're going to need a lot from their bench, and Chris Middleton definitely has to bounce back. Yeah. Yeah, he – I mean, yeah. That was that playoff stretch was not good. Yeah, he needs a bounce back here. Yeah, and you're also gonna need somebody to to step up and break out too. Uh, Divenzio, he the, could be the, another. Yeah. yeah, he should be one that should have a bounce back as well too. Yeah, I mean he's gonna be asserted to the starting lineup now mm-hmm. with uh, you know all the moves that they made. So that will be interesting to see him in the starting lineup. Um, a very good two guard who can play the point too. So they're gonna have ball handlers on the court. Um, so yeah, I, I, no, I like Divincenzo. I think he was a good draft pick, and I think he fits well in Milwaukee. I agree too. And that being said, though, you brought up Miami. Let us just talk about the Jimmy Butler experience. Yeah, I mean, I it will be interesting to see because whenever a player puts that much into a season, you know, there's always the inevitable start off slow. You know, like you see that with LeBron, you see that with those type of guys where they put so much into a season that they inevitably just have a little bit of a slump to start the season out. And Miami can't afford that. They can't afford Jimmy Butler to start off with a slump because the guy, the pieces around him, while they are serviceable, they all feed off of Jimmy Butler. So if Jimmy Butler's starting off with a slump, I don't. That's why I think Miami's not going to finish at the one seed because Jimmy Butler has to bounce back. No, definitely, it's going to be interesting to see where they go and they repeat. You know, if they try to repeat as Eastern Conference champions, just because under normal circumstances, I'd say yeah, they're they're probably a lot to repeat as champs. But just with the quick turnaround, you know, it's going to be hard to say. Uh, the funny thing I did see uh, read the other week was uh, Jimmy Butler talked about his phone calls with uh, Goran Dragic before he resigned with the Miami Heat, and he basically told him like, "Listen, you better." I'm trying to find the quote. Oh, here he goes. Uh, quote: "You better sign with the Heat. If not, I know where you live." I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to beat you up, close quote. So definitely a funny quote, but that's going to be the interesting thing. Well, will they be able to repeat? It's it's the quickest turnaround, I think, in NBA history. So are they fully recovered from you know the playoff grind and, and getting to the championship? I would say this. Under a normal year, no. But a shortened year, there's still that Jimmy Butler experience that is going to rub off on his team. Mm-hmm. He has made that his team. Oh, yeah, without, absolutely. Without question. This is a new look for Miami. And I think that with Tyler Hero playing sidekick to him, they have a very bright future. Mm-hmm. I'm not doubting them making another deep run to the finals. I'm not. And I think the fact that it's a short year, it, they're still going to be hungry because I think that Jimmy Butler is willing that mentality, that real Mamba mentality that we haven't seen since Kobe, onto this team they're going to have a different look, a different feel to them. And I think that they're going to be the scariest team to face in the East, no matter who is facing them. That I think all roads to the championship run through Miami. Mm-hmm. I, You know what I think Miami will need? And I think that I saw this on a CBS Sports story today about you know five potential trades that we'd like to see. And they tied Kevin Love's name to 
Miami, oh, be huge which there. would be perfect. I mean, although he's not great defensively, Miami already has shown that they're not worried about having defensive liabilities with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. So, yeah. you know, Bama uh, Adobe will make up for Kevin's lack of ability to play straight-up defense. And, you know, all right, while people really do discredit Kevin Love and his defense, you know, he's not like a, a P.J. Tucker. Sure. He plays serviceable defense. Like, he can rebound the ball. He's a paint presence. Yeah, I mean, if they go out and they make that kind of move, that really helps me push Miami up, maybe even pushing for the one seed. It could definitely happen. Boston, Toronto, anybody else in the East kind of giving you some vibes? I mean, Boston, obviously, for good reason. You know, Jason Tatum, I think, is going to have a a huge growth this year. Now with not having Gordon Hayward there, um, kind of – and I don't want to make it sound bad, but taking minutes away, you know, clogging up that 3-4 rotation. Yeah. um, You know, for – you know, the small forward, big forward type rotation that they had there. You know, now it's – the minutes are going to lean towards Tatum, which I think is only going to help him and his development and growth because you saw in the bubble a little bit last year where he really started to take and and assert his dominance – Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely do like Boston. Kemba Walker being down um, for the three to four weeks that he's going to be out, or two the, two months maybe. I can't remember exactly. That's not going to help because no. obviously Kemba Walker was the lifeblood of this team as far as being the the uh, veteran presence. Um, but with that being said, uh, that leaves Marcus Smart now to be in the lineup more, which I also like because he just gets after it. And talk about what Jimmy Butler, you know, Boston feeds off of him. So I. I, I like Boston, you know, maybe 3-4 seed. I think Orlando's going to be fun to watch this year. I don't think they'll make that huge noise. They won't make a deep run in the playoffs. But you look at who they got. They got Aaron Gordon. They added Cole Anthony uh, in the draft. Fucking love Cole Anthony. I, I, I think the Magic could make some noise. I also think they could be fun to watch. I agree. I mean, the East, once you start breaking down the upper echelon, everybody else is going to be wait and see what we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Knicks are going to be there. Indiana could be another one, too, that we don't know about. Yeah, I mean, that will be the Victor Old Depot thing. Right. You know, kind of weighs on them a little bit. I hope the Knicks don't throw their name in that hat. Not that I don't like Victor. You know, I, I think he's a very fine player. He's obviously had a resurgence going back to Indiana and being the leader of that team. Mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily know where he would fit with being, uh, you know, when when you talk about the Knicks needing a star player, him filling that role of being the star, I think that if he got paired with, like if, uh, let's just say the Drew Holiday situation didn't work out in Milwaukee. Sure. And, you know, they were like, all right, uh, we crashed and burned on trading for Drew Holiday. That's where Victor Oladipo could have worked, with Milwaukee. You know, so like maybe, you know, if they do end up trading him like a San Antonio uh, maybe sending him, um, I'm just trying to, like a Denver, you know, pair him with uh, Jamal Murray, you know, like that type of situation I see him working. Maybe even uh, going up to Toronto and, and playing, you know, with uh, Fred Van Flea and Siakam, like that would be dangerous. Yeah, that would be ideal. Um, but, yeah, I don't, or maybe even in New Orleans, I've, I've actually seen his name attached to that. So, like him, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, that would be dangerous. Um, but, yeah, it just – with that, so with that hanging over the Indiana head, it's kind of difficult to be like, oh yeah, I like Indiana because you just you don't know what they're going to do with Victor. Like they've said that they're not going to trade him, but we've seen that before. Yeah, and until you actually see him on the court, anything's possible. So that being said, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Who you got going to the finals? Uh, from the Eastern Conference, I'm going to say Milwaukee. Milwaukee. All right, <laughs> Coach. I I already know this one, but <sighs> I. Right now, I'm going to say Milwaukee. Okay. 
But if uh, Miami goes out and they add another all-star level player, I'm going to switch. Fat like that. Like, I don't – anybody. They could go out and get Victor, Oladipo. If they add any other all-star player to pair with Jimmy Butler, I will change my pick. But right now, you have to lean with Milwaukee. This is very tough to call because I see there's three teams that you can honestly pencil in for this position. Who's your third? You can pencil in Brooklyn. Just, oh, shit. Uh, just, just, on the, just on the stat line. <laughs> Did I forget but, about Brooklyn? Like, duh. But I don't I don't even want to talk about it. That's right. why I fucking spaced on it. Right. Well, I was even going to say, too, Boston can be in that mix, too, just depending if they can get hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. But I think this ultimately comes down to one team, and that's Milwaukee. That I think that Miami is good, and I think they had a nice Cinderella story, and I think that they can make a deep run if, you, like you touched upon, if they get one more Just piece of that puddle. One more. If, I, if, I like the pieces. Duncan and Tyler Hero, they're fine. They're serviceable. But, like, just one more. They're one away. So they can definitely make a move to go get somebody. Oh, sure. They got and, assets. But I think for right now, if we're just taking the rosters as is, Milwaukee is deep enough. Okay. And I think that Drew Holiday is the X factor to get them over the hump. Fair. I fully see this being Miami and Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I see this going to a Game 7. That's how much faith I actually have in Miami to contend, and I think that they're smart enough to make a move to go get somebody. But this is ultimately going to come down to Giannis. You sign long term. You're establishing that presence for real. <laughs> you, you you you've now dug your grave. You need to lie in it, and, we, you, and you need to really grow. Talk Kirk Cousins in the first segment. Like yeah. this is a Kirk Cousins deal. You know, yeah. like Milwaukee has fully invested in him and his success. So like, yeah, it's time to pay back. Yeah, like I said, you you you've dug. I should say rather, you dug your hole. Now you got to stand in it. Yeah, well, I, in, or the Rangers with Lundqvist. You know, yeah. like when you put that much of an investment in a player, at some point, like the player has to return. Yeah, <laughs> said investment, and that's this time. Yeah, because like I say, for Milwaukee, you did risk a lot. Yeah, and for them, like I say, this is how you either you either dig your ground and you can grow from it, or you dig a grave and you die in it. For this is the moment, though. Milwaukee needs to win. I think that it's a win now, even though he signed for four years. You have Giannis in his prime, and he's definitely getting better as he's getting older. But this is where you've given the pieces to win. You have to pull it together. Chris Middleton definitely needs to step up this year. And if you go through the playoffs and he falls flat again, we're looking at Minnesota Vikings 2.0 here. I mean, Middleton can always be moved, though. He can always be moved, and if you can go get another piece that's an upgrade, I think they'll be looking okay. So like I say, right now I'm taking Milwaukee, and I'm going to stand with it. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Who is your Eastern Conference Finals winner? We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk the Western Conference. You are listening to the ODPH podcast. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your host of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horizon 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. 
coming back for our NBA preview special on the ODPH podcast. Last segment, we talked the Eastern Conference. Now let's take it to the West. This is LeBron's division mm-hmm. as the reigning defending champion. Los mm-hmm. Angeles Lakers are ready to resume battle to keep the crown. Sure. Coach, how are we feeling about the Lakers? I mean, to the riches go the spoils. I mean, re-sign Anthony Davis. LeBron obviously is – you know, doing his one-year deal gimmicks that he likes to do with player options. And, you know, they re-signed Kyle Kuzma to the three-year deal. And that that this is what this team does. They're just going to keep retooling and, re, and re-putting talent around LeBron to the point that they're just going to keep winning. You know, and I mean, it's an arms race in the West because Denver also has that. Portland also has that. Uh, Phoenix is certainly trying to chase that. And, you know, Dallas is there too. So, and, oh, and the Clippers. You know, I mean, yeah. so like it's an arms race out there. It's yeah. just the Lakers have the bigger guns. Yeah, yeah. No, I I see no reason the Lakers shouldn't repeat as uh, Pacific uh, Conference or Pacific Division champs. But that, that whole division is going to be very interesting because, like you said, the Clippers are very good. The Phoenix is very good. Uh, the only thing I'm it's a lot of uncertainty with that division. The only thing I'm certain of is Golden State will not finish in last place with a record of fifteen and fifty. Yeah, uh, that's my lock. <laughs> you know, but the only the only thing I feel kind of bad for is the Sacramento Kings because they might get lost in that the shuffle of that division. You know, but. I, I think it's going to be very interesting, but I can I can see the Lakers uh, repeating as division champs. The Lakers are the Lakers, and obviously locking up Anthony Davis, smartest move they could do. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all knew the fact that they traded heaven and earth to go get him. They weren't going to let him leave. No way. The second question you have to really look, though, at is LeBron. And obviously, he actually retooled for a two-year, eighty-five million dollar extension in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, no, I. Yeah. But I mean, it's still the the short-term deals that yeah. constantly have player options and everything. Right, but just the fact that he signed it, being thirty-six years old. Yeah, right. And now well, turning thirty-six or turning. Yeah, yeah. Now in his eighteenth season, mm-hmm. we talk about tread on the tires. How long can he keep this up for? Now, yeah. granted, he, he is a man that is definitely knowing about physical perfection and doing all the proper things to keep his body running at an elite level, but it's just that's a lot to ask for. Oh, this is not going to be a – I mean, knock on – you know, obviously let me preface this with saying I know that he is still going to be one of the top-tier talent in all the Oh, yeah, NBA, sure, sure. Yeah, but this saying. is not going to be a typical LeBron year because, I mean, obviously the tread on the tires – the bounce back right away. I think you're definitely going to see more of a uh, manageable l- workload on LeBron, and I think, and if he's smart, I think he does the same thing because you you've seen it where you know he starts out too hot too early and come right around the All Star break and towards the stretch of the second half stretch towards the playoffs. Minutes add up, you yeah. know, and you start to see the little breakdown, you know, in the in uh, his ability and everything, and that's when every the questions come up, oh, LeBron this, LeBron that, you know. So, like, I think it would be smart if they lean heavy on Anthony Davis to start the season out, you know, let his young legs carry this team to yeah. the all-star break, and then let's start, you know, fine-tuning LeBron for the second half of the season. Yeah, they need to. They need to transition to make this AD's team. I mean, I know LeBron is LeBron, and I think he's smart enough to know that as well. Give it to the 27-year-old. No, I mean, yeah. that's why they – that's why LeBron wanted to play. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, LeBron has always been smart about 
aligning himself with the proper talent to make. Hey, it. hey, hey! It just happens to fall that way. Oh yeah. Well. Yeah, right. I got I got some other stuff to sell you if you're buying that t- talk. Um, but that's being said, though, he's smart enough to know where he's going for the future and to make a run. Obviously, they still got Kyle Kuzma. You don't know what's going to happen with him. He could be another breakout year. Dude, I don't know. He's he's an anomaly. Yeah, I don't understand. There's peaks and valleys that are just high, you know, high ceilings and very very low floors. Yeah, and especially he just signed that um, three year deal, deal. Yeah, they're going to be stuck with him as a nucleus, and they're going to have to make some moves to really make sure they continue the stretch. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Like, I think that they have enough core pieces still signed there yeah. that they should be the team to contend with in the West. The only one that obviously stands out, and we, we talked about them last year, was the Clippers. Now, what do you know? Like, what do you get from them? I, like, Coach, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this Clippers team is definitely something of, of interest because of the fact that they, you know, Kawhi did not sign his extension. You know, Paul George did. Yeah. Um. You know, part of the whole package deal. Yeah, the whole thing was, you know, Paul George and Kawhi wanting to be together long term. Mm-hmm. So that's very telling. Um. You know, obviously they fired Doc Rivers because of his um, issues with – Kawhi and Paul George and how he managed games and everything. So like they're they're obviously showing that this team is theirs. You know, yeah. it's those two guys. Uh, you know, then they go out this offseason, they make the big trade with the Nets, uh, sending Shamit out to Brooklyn, where I thought he was a very solid contributor to this team with his ability to stretch the floor and shoot the three consistently. Um, and then you go out and you lose um Hartzell. Who was yeah, a huge. yeah? Who was the energy guy? You know, off the bench for this team. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do with the starting lineup. Um, you, you know, they they got Serge Ibaka. Um, you know, who was uh, from Toronto, who was a free agent this offseason, season, uh, to kind of fill the void that was left by Hartzell. But they're not the same players. Um, and they got Zubik back. So you know, I probably oh, and Luke Kennard. Also got was in trade from Detroit, or that was a three-way trade with the Nets. Um, so is that really much of an upgrade from Shamit to to Kennard? You know, I don't know because Shamit's consistent three-point shooter. I still think the loss of Harrell is the big backbreaker though for him. That lose him, obviously the sixth man of the year. Yeah, to your rivals, the Lakers. I mean, it's just mind blowing to see how this team who was penciled in to run away because they were going to have all the defensive stops that you could think about because with the Doc Rivers mentality on this team, how just quickly it fell apart. And I'm not going to say that they're going to completely disappear. They have too much talent. But if you're already having problems that Kawhi has not signed his extension, Paul George is all in. Yeah. And that's your corner pieces? Yeah, this is not a good look for, for the Clippers. Well, no, I think the problem is that you know, Paul went out and said that he wanted to be here. Yada yada yada. This is my this is my home, and you know, the story with Jerry West comes out from TMZ Sports about how you know Kawhi was quote unquote recruited to the Clippers by throwing the Lakers under the bus and doing all this other like kind of you know shady stuff necessarily, mm-hmm. saying how you know Kawhi's people were only telling him like you know I'll only come there if Paul comes there you know like that's the only way that he'll sign there. They go out, they get Paul George, they they do the package deal. You know Paul, you know Kawhi probably obviously were under the understanding that this is where they were going to be together. And then all of a sudden, you know, come time for extensions, Kawhi's like, meh. I mean, Kawhi has always been Kawhi. So yeah, right. He, he, he beats to his own drum. So it, you never know what's really going on with him. 
But if they can't get him long term, this is going to be an ugly season. Like, I mean, I I know it's going to be wild to say, but like, do you move him? No, you can't. I yeah. mean, the the interest. I think the other thing too that's not really being talked about is the fact that Tyron Lue now steps in as head coach with the you know release of of Doc and. Mm. That's wait, he's, wait, he's actually going to get the coach? Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. I mean, that, but that's the thing. Like, that's the thing. Was This is his first time coaching without LeBron James. It's his who, first time coaching, period. Yeah, who, you know, LeBron obviously was very high on Ty- Tyron Lue. A lot mm-hmm. of people prior to him getting the job in Cleveland, at, you know, when they fired, uh, uh, what's-his-face, Blatt, you know, was, you know, Ty- Tyron Lue. Like, that was LeBron's guy, you yeah. know. So that would be very telling to see – um, that dynamic because now it's not LeBron, you know, with Tyron Lue. This is Tyron Lue with Paul George and Kawhi, and yeah, Kawhi is a very talented and smart player. But like, is he really the X's and O guy that LeBron is that probably helped Tyron Lue to the success of winning that inevitable NBA title? I don't know. You know, like that will be something that's very interesting to watch as the year goes on. I agree with you too. I mean, it's going to be a lot of soap opera stories in in Los Angeles. But let's flip the coin though to the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. And what you're feeling about this with Luka Donick? A lot of people talking MVP. This yeah, year? which is, I mean, wild because yeah. I mean he's, I, yeah, he's a very talented player and obviously an elite level player, but he's got no help. You know, I mean, Przingis is going to be out for three to four months again. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it's just him, Tim Hardaway Jr. and who? You know, um, so that's going to be pretty interesting. To see, you know, he's going to be the featured guy on that team that's going to have to put up points and have rebounds and assists. I, Dallas, I don't, I'm not worried about. I'm very happy that the Knicks have their next two years of picks. I agree that's, too. That's where I'm going to leave that. Like we talk about who wins trades or whatever, and everybody killed the Knicks because Porzingis came out hot to start the season. Well, then he got hurt during the playoffs. And, you know, the Knicks didn't have this first-round pick, and everybody's like, oh, ho-hum, you know, the, the Dallas won this trade. Look at Brzingis. Look at the way he's playing. Well, now he's out three to four months, and it's all Luka Doncic's team. So who really won that trade? Exactly. I'm going to lean on the Knicks. Well, that's the thing. Przingis, when how he left, and obviously being in the biggest media market in the world, everybody kind of put him more on a pedestal than he was. Yeah, we. I mean, listen, I think that we were, as Knicks fans, so – just searching for a hero, yeah. you know, searching for the resurgence, searching for the the savior, the messiah, the the whatever, you know, you, you want to fill it in. Yeah, yeah, like you, we were searching for anything, and we saw this seven foot Latvian dual threat, rebounding, blocking shots, dunking, unicorn, sc- unicorn. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's a good description of him. Snake, yeah. I like to call him, but unicorn, sure. Um, and we saw this, and we were like, all right, this is what we need to rebuild on. This is the future. And it was not the case. No, I mean, Dallas should be definitely interesting to check out. I mean, I've seen a lot of articles talking about how Luka could be one of the next great basketball players of of that generation and this and that. It's going to be fun to see him develop and see if that does actually pan out because I feel like we've seen that a number of times where, like, you hear a player coming up or a player who's in the league, oh, they're the next great player, and then it just kind of fizzles out. It'll be nice to see if it actually pans out and, and just see how great he gets. I agree, because when you come up with that much hype around you and you kind of really make a statement, all eyes are turning on you to carry your team. 
I don't know necessarily they're going to be able to do it in Dallas, but I think they'll definitely contend. Well, I think, and something that we I forgot we didn't talk about Atlanta, which I did want to talk about. Stupid me, but um, you know that him and Trey Young are going to be tied together forever. Mm-hmm. So it's been very interesting to watch to see what Atlanta's done to build a team around Trey Young, and kind of what Dallas has done to build a team around Luca. Um, and and they're going to forever be tied together. So I think Luca is going to have a very good season this year but without you know that Przingis they just don't have anything else I mean I'm looking at the roster right now and it's like no you know like Josh Josh Richardson's a nice player but he's a defensive guy uh you know they got Boban who you know outside Tobias Harris is only favorite player you know like the Boban's not really threatening me um you know and the Trey Burke's fine you know and Tim Hardaway Jr. so like this is going to be a long stretch without Porzingis in the lineup for Luka. I agree, and I think it's, it's just going to be a little too much for him to cake. Let's flip it, though, to the Denver Nuggets. Sure. And obviously how the law firm, or I should say the dynamic duo, rather, of Jokic and Murray was doing all the comeback magic you could think of. Future uh, Denver Broncos quarterback, uh, Jokic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, obviously just ran out of playoff magic, but yeah. definitely made some noise. Got a lot of eyes on them. So, Coach, what's your feelings? Yeah, I mean, the addition of R.J. Hampton, who I think was a very, I mean, fell, plummeted in the draft, was a very good pick for them because I think he's going to be able to bring something off the bench. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, though, like the second-year guys that they have, like Michael Porter Jr., who obviously sat out his rookie year uh, due to the back injury. That's That's what I'm interested in because when he was inserted into the lineup, Denver had another piece that they didn't have before scoring-wise that they desperately needed because Jokic is great, but he's not a scoring type center. Like yeah. he's still good. Yeah, he's going to get points, but like you know, Jamal Murray needed somebody to run with him on that right hand side, and that's what Michael Porter Jr. is going to do, and that's going to be very very scary for teams. And the other guy that I like to see step up, you know, in the second year, talking about that is Bull Bull. Yeah, who when he was also in the lineup was very difficult to match up with because like Boban. Um, Except not like Bobon though, because Bull Bull's athleticism with that seven foot, you know, two forever wingspan, yeah. it's impossible to match up with because he's so skilled. It's nuts. Like he's a big that can dribble, he can stretch the floor, he can shoot the three, he can pass. Like he's just all around serviceable. Denver has just got so many pieces around that I don't doubt them making a, another run. I'm no. not saying they're they're going to sneak in and get the finals, but I think they're going to make a lot of noise to get in there. Another team I like, though, Memphis. The Grizzlies with Jay Morant. Yeah, the scrappy young underdog team out of Memphis. They'll break it down for us. Yeah, I mean, obviously they were, you know, in the chase going into the bubble. Uh, One of the teams that got invited because obviously the West was, you know, trying to get in uh, their rookie talent was Zion Williamson and Jay Morant so they could, you know, get more ratings. But good for you, NBA. I don't blame (laughs) you. Um, Yeah, I mean – this is a good team on paper. Like, they play really well. I just – let me see what happens in the sophomore year. You know, is Jay Morant going to have a sophomore slump or is it going to be, you know, uh, an, an ascension? You know, because a lot of guys who come off those great rookie seasons, you know, the wear and tear starts to add up from that rookie year to the so- transition to the sophomore year mm-hmm. that doesn't really get talked about. So let's just see how that second year goes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. I think Memphis is always a team that shows up on the floor and they're ready to play. And you're relying a lot on Jay Moran. You need somebody to balance him out. I mean, is Jaron Jackson the guy? 
I don't know. Is Justice Winslow the guy? I don't know. I mean, this is going to be just so many different factors that you just got to figure out. And it's like, on paper, they should. Sure. But until they get on the court, it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, I think that if you wanted to pencil Memphis in somewhere, it could definitely be fighting for that 7 eighth seat. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. Yeah. With a Phoenix. Well, Phoenix, Larry, let's flip the ball to there. I mean, Devin Booker re-ups, and they got the— you know, uh, all, uh, Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately for <laughs> a lot of us. But they got so much young talent there, but yet still have not been able to pull it. They do have a veteran guard there in one of the weirder moves, I think, in the offseason with uh, Chris Paul going there. But what do you think, Coach? Well, so here's the thing. Chris Paul, wherever he has gone, has led his team to being a formidable, tough challenge. Mm -hmm. Like, we all killed Oklahoma City last year. We We thought that trade last year... Chris Paul was basically going there Green to, pastures. Yeah, to, to ride it out until retirement. And then all of a sudden he had this just – I mean, he wasn't in the MVP caliber uh, MVP talk, but he should have been because that team uh, uh, in Oklahoma City fought every night and scrapped their way, I mean, uh, to uh, you know a potential playoff run. And it was all led by Chris Paul. So now you pair him with you know this young – Hungry Phoenix team, DeAndre Ayton, uh, you know Devin Booker. You already mentioned, you know, they, I, Cal uh, Ubre unfortunately was let go. You know, was traded this offseason, which Golden State landed underrated move in my eyes with the loss of Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, if I'm a team in the West, don't want to see Chris Paul uh, lined up against me on the opposite side. Yeah, Phoenix should be good. They'll definitely scrap and get in the playoffs. But to me, they're kind of like Andy Roddick was in tennis. Good, te- great tennis player, but just played in the wrong time. So he didn't win all that much. You know, Phoenix, good team. Going to scrap, going to make the playoffs and deep run, like I said. But you're also going up against the Los Angeles Lakers who, you know, re-added and retooled up. And they're going to be even better than they were last year, probably. you got the Clippers who are still in that division. And then you got Golden State who, like I said, going to do a lot better than 15 and 50. So it's it's one of those things. Good team, but you're in the wrong conference. Yeah, they have all the talents in the world, but they just haven't been able to put it together. Can Chris Paul guide them in the direction? I think he can. But can you really rely on him to really carry your team at this age? That's the X factor I'm waiting to see. I mean, it is possible, sure. And I think he'll help Devin Booker out amazingly. Ton. Yeah, a ton. Yeah, I think if anybody wins this trade, it's him. And especially since you've invested so much in him into your franchise, you got to have him get some help. And I think this can only build him up from there. Speaking of young talent, how about New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, obviously Alonzo Ball uh, had his uh, extension talks go nowhere, so he's going to be heading into restricted free agency, who wouldn't mind seeing coming to New York possibly. I mean, might have a resurgence in his career. I just don't want to see him because I don't want to deal with his dad in, well, in the front row in the media. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that his dad wants to deal with the media. No, no, he no, definitely no, he does. does. Yeah, that would bring him back in the limelight. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, the only reason why I wouldn't want Lonzo there is because obviously I'm, I'm hoping and banking on the emergence of, you know, quickly. But, you know, that time will be told on that. Brandon Ingram just signed a huge extension this offseason. Obviously, Zion Williamson looks absolutely like a man-child right now. Mm-hmm. Got in shape this offseason. Which they, is scary. Yeah, yeah, which whatever they did in this offseason program, good for you. You know, New Orleans, you program things right because he is looking, you know, like he's going to be able to stay healthy and be able to play minutes and not have to be monitored with the knee issues because obviously he was heavier going into last year. There's no denying that. So the athleticism is going to be only, you know, increased. Um, 
you know, the loss of Drew Holiday, I think, is going to be tough on this team because they did rely on his veteran uh, leadership. His ability to score <laughs> is going to be missed. But that's why you signed Brandon Ingram to his extension. You're, this is going to be his vehicle to drive now. You know, I mean, Eric Bledsoe is going to be the starting point guard, but this is Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson's team. It'll be fun to see a full season of Zion Williamson at his absolute best. You know, he was good last year. Yeah. Flashes of brilliance, but I feel like that I feel like that was getting the car into fifth gear, not exactly sixth gear. It'll be good to see him get a full year and, and see what he can really do when he tears it up. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans has got all the potential in the world to make a breakout. Yep. Can they put it together with being so young? I, Maybe. I mean, this is going to be the big X factor. I mean, can Zion improve and be the one to step up for that team? Well, that's, this is what's crazy about the West. I mean – all of these teams, one through eight, are going to have winning records and are going to be like games above 500. Mm-hmm. Like the East is going to be like tight. So, like, we're sitting here, we're talking about Phoenix, who last year was pushing in the bubble to get the eighth seed. Yeah. It's going to be the same thing this year. And New Orleans is going to be the same thing. Memphis, you know, like these are, we're literally talking about the second tier teams that you're like, nah, you know, Memphis, no way. But no, they all have a chance and they're all going to be. Good. Yeah. And to think about it, we haven't even mentioned Golden haven't, State. Golden State? We haven't even talked about Portland. Yeah. So let's break it down. All right. Well, Golden State, obviously, Clay Thompson down again, unfortunately, which just sucks. You don't yeah. want to see something like yeah. that. Especially the fact that he was rehabbing, playing a pickup game, just trying to get his win back, you know, to get ready for the season and to get injured again on the same leg. It's just brutal. You know, it's upsetting for him. Um, but, again, like I said, the Kelly Oubre trade I think is sneaky underrated. I think he's going to fit right in with that team with Andrew Wiggins, who had a bounce-back year, not having to be the primary scorer like he was in Minnesota. Um, and I definitely, yeah, Golden State's back. Not back-back, but yeah. they're back. No, yeah, Golden State's definitely back. They'll definitely make some noise. I think they're being overlooked a little bit, not through any fault of their own, but you, you got the Lakers, you got the Clippers doing well. And when you had a 15-win year the yeah. year before, yeah. you're like, you got, ah. you got the mess going on in Houston. Everyone's kind of overlooking them a bit, and I think they and they already had a chip on their shoulder because you know they, they had a bad season. They got forgot about a little bit. They want to come back and prove it, and now they're kind of being overlooked a little bit. Yeah, you can't sleep on the Warriors no matter what. I mean, yeah. they have they have a new, good nucleus there between Curry and Green. Obviously, Klay Thompson being out the year hurts. Yep. Hurts a lot. It is going to cost him the title. No offense, but is the truth. Well, Wiseman, I think, is going to be the interesting X factor of this because, obviously, being such a high draft pick, entering the league, what are you going to get out of him? And that, and he's young on an old team, an yes. old veteran team. You know, sometimes those guys, when they – uh, you know, when they have that spark because they are a rookie, they have this just this extra energy that like some of the times the veterans just feed off of mm-hmm. and that helps, you know, bounce back guys. So you're definitely probably gonna see, you know, Steph Curry and a Draymond, you know, kind of feed off of Wiseman's energy. And that is, you know, depending on how much he is in the rotation, because obviously it is a veteran team. Yeah. So they are gonna rely on the veterans. So it's gonna be interesting to see if Wiseman does crack the lineup and get minutes that mean are meaningful mm-hmm. but i think you also have to at the same time i agree portland what are you feeling i mean i i love portland i i the mellow coming off the bench is going to be an interesting dynamic because you know i i know that he's not thrilled with coming off the bench but like you're at that point in your career yeah you're at that yeah. point of the career where you, and you being the guy of the second unit 
helps this team to a level that not a lot of other teams have because you know you talk about uh, you know other teams off the bench like Lou Williams. Yeah. You know, like he's made a career of coming off the bench because he leads the second unit mm-hmm. and he scores off the second unit. Right. And that's what Mel Melo's going to be the featured guy of that second unit that they're going to be like. You know, we need you to take shots on this group because you're not paired with you know you're not paired with. Um, C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard. Like, you're the guy out there, and I think he's going to thrive off of that. I agree, too. Portland could definitely be a team that makes a lot of noise that I think people are just writing off, which they shouldn't. But when you have Damian Lillard there, you can make a lot happen. Melo coming off the bench is a good move. And I'm sorry, Melo's got to deal with it as much as we all love Melo. Listen, you're at that time. It's you got to go off the bench. you got to just play the position. And obviously, if you can help your team win some games, you're definitely going to do it. So that being said, who are we all feeling coming out of the West? Let's start with Pat. Lakers. Lakers. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I just – what can you say? No, you definitely want to say it, it should be the Lakers outright. That Unless something really freaky happens. Yeah, like, some, unless like something some goes – injuries, it, not wishing it on them by any means. Right, like unless it's an Anthony Davis going down or LeBron going down for a duration of this – shortened abbreviated but you know compact season that's the only way that the lakers don't just go right through this like i'm not saying they're going to set you know a single season win record no. they're, they're not going to touch the bulls yeah well i mean they or can't because the, obviously they're not go, playing enough games yeah. but win percentage wise they're not going to be like a 850 win percentage yeah. but they're going to have stretches where they're not going to win a lot. They're not going to lose a lot of games, I should say. Like they're they might go on a 10 game win streak, 11 game win streak. Like that won't surprise me at all. No. No, I fully agree with you. I think that this is the Lakers division to lose. I mean, LA like we touched upon. You don't know what you're going to get out of the Clippers. We on paper, they should be the number 1 seed, they should be a number 2 seed. You have to think like that. But obviously, there's a lot more going on that is just if you really stare at that team and really dissect it, they got a lot more issues going on. It's just the the Tyron Lue X factor. I think when you compare, you know, when you look at rosters, yeah, the Clippers are more talented, mm-hmm. but the Lakers showed last year that their veteran presence, LeBron, you know, that coaching staff, they are well equipped to manage the entire year. That I don't think the Clippers are, um, and and then Tyron Lue, I just I don't know how that. That whole thing will come together. Yeah, and then you look at the rest of the talent in that Western Conference. A lot of them are very similar in this sense. Yeah, and a lot of teams are going to take wins away from each other that probably isn't really talked about. Yeah, exactly. Because when you start breaking down the Dallas's and the Denver's right, and they're the going Memphis, to take wins away. Yeah, yeah, they're all going to kind of just really chip away at each other. That by the end of it, the Lakers are going to be standing strong, and it's just kind of. You want to think with the Western Conference, it's not the easy conference, but if you really break it down like that. Well, you're not to shit on the Knicks, but like yeah. Brooklyn's going into this being like, we're going to win three games against the Knicks. Yeah. Like the Lakers go in and, and they see their rival of the Clippers and they're like, we got to take two or three. Yeah. Like we have to. It's a you different know? mentality. It's a, it's a totally different mentality because the level of talent's different. Like you see, like if you're Boston and you see Orlando, you're like, all right, we got, we're going to win three games against them. We mm-hmm. have to. We will, you know, but then you look at Phoenix and you're like, "Fuck, we might, we might slip up and lose two. Like, we can't do it. We gotta win all three against this team." Yeah, and that's the problem. Like, there's gonna be teams that are gonna beat other teams that are gonna, you know, create that, you know, that uh, competitive race towards the finish of the year. I agree. So that being said, do we have any uh, championship predictions, Pad? Nah, hard to tell. Milwaukee. I mean, with Giannis, I think the emergence with Drew Holiday. Uh, again, as long as Moami, Moami, 
<laughs> as long as Miami does not go out and make some sort of splash trade, I I just Milwaukee to me. I know we said it last year, and I know LeBron proved everybody wrong. Mm-hmm. This is a different year. I do think Giannis is going to take the next step. I think he's going to be confident in his three-point shot, which is going to create matchup problems for teams. And I think Chris Middleton's going to have a bounce-back year. I think just the grind mm-hmm. of the season weighed on him, and I think the, the pressures of the bubble you know, just kind of got to him, and I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I'm taking Milwaukee in seven, and I think that sweet. I think that Giannis is going to do exactly what you said, Coach. I think he's going to take a, a huge step in growth. And we talk about like Kawhi being a different kind of cat. Sure, Giannis is a lot different than everybody else too. And I right. think the fact that he got paid, he's going to go out there to prove that he got paid for the right reason. <laughs> the, the chip on his shoulder is one that you don't really see very often because he literally was a nobody that Milwaukee took as this 19-year-old kid mm-hmm. that nobody knew about, fell in the draft, everybody, you know, what are you going to get from him, what are you going to get from him? And I think, yeah, I think he's going to return their investment this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to start catching some games, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Who's your predictions for the NBA this year? Who do you think is going to win out of the East and the West? Who's think taking home the chip? Let us have that discussion, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to run those bases take the show home. Pad, what you got? Got to talk a little bit of hockey because it was announced uh, this past Sunday that the NHL is set to return on January 13th. Uh, this is after the NHL and players completed a deal to, and they will hold a 56-game season that would include playoffs lasting into July to award the Stanley Cup. Uh, so the uh, league's Board of Governors voted to approve the agreement that was backed by the NHL Players Association Executive Board Friday night. Uh, the regular season is scheduled to go until May eighth with a 16 team 16 team playoff to follow uh and the interesting thing is that they're taking a book out of uh, major league baseball's play uh playbook with the uh, way they're doing it it's all division based okay uh, scheduling this year so our beloved uh, new york rangers will be playing boston buffalo new jersey the islanders uh philadelphia pittsburgh and washington uh so definitely be interesting to see and should be really fun yeah not mad about that at all i think they're doing the smart thing if they're going to not have everybody in a bubble mm-hmm that you got to be smart. And the less travel you can do, obviously, with COVID going on, yep. the better. So, Blue Shirt Nation, stand up. Stand the puck up. Let's go. Uh, no word yet about the AHL, too. So, I know we'll, we'll touch a little bit on the local. I, I've been hit up asking about, are the Binghamton Devils going to be running? I don't know. We haven't heard. We haven't heard anything yet. Yeah. Coach, that being said? Uh, well, real quick, just going to – I got two. I'm going to – I hit a double. Uh, so I'm going to touch quick. Uh, I know I brought it up in the beginning of the show, but the college football playoffs were announced. The uh, Alabama uh, tie, roll tide, the Crimson, Crimson tide. tide, the fuck. Uh, <laughs> they were the one seed uh, with obviously having an undefeated season, the SEC champions. Uh, Clemson uh, beat somebody uh, in the ACC title game. Uh, they are the two seed. Uh, Ohio State snuck in as the three seed uh, after only playing six games. You know, whatever. That's fine. I'm not going to make any judgment. They, you know, obviously COVID year. You know, mm-hmm. can't help it. Yeah. And then uh, Notre Dame finished as the four seed. So the matchups are uh, Alabama versus Notre Dame and Clemson versus Ohio State. Um, so those games are going to be played January 1st. I believe Notre Dame and Alabama are kicking off at 445. Yes. Correct. And then uh, Clemson 
and Ohio State are playing, I think, at like 11.30 p.m. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, it's going to feel that way, but no, I think they're kicking off at like 8.15. Oh, so. that's more manageable. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit. A little bit. I mean, two East Coast teams, why not play them at 8.15? Sure. You know, who, who cares? Sure. It's New Year's Day. Nobody's going to be like sleepy or tired or anything like that, so no big deal. Um, and then my other base, real quick, I want to touch upon is uh, lacrosse news. Uh, the MLL uh, recently was purchased or merged, uh, as they are spinning it, with the PLL, the Premier Lacrosse League. Ooh. So now there is only one uh, lacrosse league. Uh, with that being said, now you know the the tradition and the story continues as one league, which you know you talk about in wrestling the the longevity of belts and you know not having a vacancy and everything like that. So now the history can continue. So uh, they can reference back to 20 years of records, which I think is huge when you talk about, uh, you know, trying to grow the sport. Um, now not having two competitive professional leagues, you know, pulling fans and, and players away from each other. So that's nice. Uh, they did announce that they are going to continue the Boston Cannon name, obviously dropping the Boston because they are a traveling league. So it's just going to be the Cannon uh, Lacrosse Club. So they are going to be the eighth team going into this year's Premier League. Uh, they will have an expansion draft. I think they're doing it in like three or four weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, player pool and all that, supplemental draft and all that stuff. So it's very exciting. You know, uh, Paul Rabel and his brother Mike, you know, have done a tremendous job with the investors and the backing that they have. Uh, NBC has been a tremendous partner. So you know, just exciting lacrosse news. Always exciting to hear. You yeah, know, like you know, I, I mean, I love the sport, so I like to talk about it. Yeah, and I try watching it too. So yeah, I, I appreciate so that. I, so you know, so I give some shine. They appreciate the ratings. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> you, you, you get my like my measly little one, but still, that's fine. Hey, you know matters. what, Nielsen, it matters. It does. Doesn't matter for the demos, but no, not definitely not for the demos. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk some wrestling, shall we? Wrestling! So this past week was the WWE's TLC event. Mm -hmm. Now, I did the blog on OchoDoraParleyHour.com, gave my predictions. The card on Sunday to close out the WWE pay-per-view calendar year was... Meh. Okay. Meh. Phoning in. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to say phoning in, but I mean, I just want to kind of touch upon like a couple matches. Status quo. So we won't go through every one. Because, honestly, the only two moments that really stood out, I think the match of the night was Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. Sure, yeah. Which was amazing storytelling. Obviously, Kevin Owens was going to step up being the main event spotlight. And, yeah, as Kevin Owens will. Yeah, and obviously taking a lot of crazy moves going on because of the TLC match. It was a lot better than the opening match. Which, which I mean, we said was going to happen. We knew Kevin was going to do crazy shit. Yeah, and he did. I mean, completely the storytelling about this with him and Roman. Top notch. I know they're they're going to run it back Friday night in a steel cage. Steel cage, yeah. So I'm excited to see that. And obviously, we kind of predictable. We knew Roman was going to win, and obviously, how he did this, you had that sense that Kevin was going to have a shot at it. Sure. Like that's the big takeaway from this. That even though the storyline has been so played out for Roman being the head of the family and, and untouchable and just the heel turn, which has been one of the best things of, of 2020. You had that sense that Kevin might have actually pulled it off. Like, we're, we were actually going to take the belt off him? Well, that's what's been fun about this heel turn with Roman is that even with the Jey Uso things, like, there was, you know, he is letting, you know, the opponent get in offensive moves that you're like, oh, shit, like, this is, what, no? Like, Jey Uso? Yeah. And, you know, obviously Roman pulls it out or whatever, but, like, there's moments of, like, we're going there? Like, you would think Jey Uso, Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns in a squash. Yeah. But no, and Kevin Owens, the same thing. Like, the storyline's been this powerful, benevolent heel, mm-hmm. and Kevin almost pulled it away. 
Yeah, he definitely did. And, I mean, this was just so well done, too, that I am not mad about this. I, I, I'm i glad they're going to run it back. I don't know how to exactly top it. But if this is the way we get Daniel Bryan in, in the mix as well because he's got to be the next one up after yeah. – after, um, Yeah, up. I mean, what are they – I mean, it, it, the problem is you're going to – the SmackDown's top-tier talent is only so many guys that if you keep having Roman run through everybody, there's only one man that can answer the bell in WrestleMania. Yeah. So that being said, we're you gonna have to smell wait. what he's cooking. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, think I, I don't think it's happening. I don't think it is either. I but don't. I'm just saying, like, it, you know, he's Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, even Uso got pushed up for main event spots. Like, where do you go after Daniel Bryan? I mean, Big E, I know is the popular name, but like, I'm not convinced that WWE is convinced that they think that they have money in him. So I think what they're going to do is give him IC and let him. Let's see what happens from there. He yeah, does have an, he does have an IC match on Friday. Yeah, I think he he pulls off the win too. I mean, I love everything Sami Zayn's done with the belt. Yeah, but, but oh, right, right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I don't know. I think they're going to kind of let Big E run with that and let's see where he goes. Because the only match I think they're going to do at WrestleMania right now, I mean, I know I'm talking way super in the future, is a unification belt with Drew McIntyre. And you have yeah. Ch- and, have, and have the champion go on both shows. Which should be. Yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense. I, I mean, the champions should just be. It should. I mean, I know that's a lot of work, especially once they start doing house shows again on those guys. You yeah. know, but if they, if, if they, if they do, back. I don't think they do. Well, you never, you never say never. But yeah, you never. Yeah, right. But, but I mean, for the for the time being, I think it's smart money just to unify all yeah. the belts. Yeah. You know, have the U.S. title be exclusive, have the IC title, but the world title, the tag team titles, the women titles, the women tag team titles, just have them all be both shows. Both shows. Yeah, I fully agree with you too, and I think that we're going to see that. I think that's going to be your main event for WrestleMania. I'm not mad about that one. Yeah, because you know what it does. It elevates the second tier belts yes it does because now it gives importance to the u.s title it gives importance to the ic title that's what i've been i mean when they did the draft the first time that's what i was saying but you know i mean i don't i'm not a writer so what do no. i know no because if you're a writer you probably would have fixed the ending to the main <laughs> event which was randy orton oh my god they killed kenny versus the fiend bray white in a firefly inferno match where a man was killed i mean well, listen, it was, listen it's okay he likes the mandalorian now yeah, yeah, which I don't know what's more wild, the fact that they actually burned Bray Wyatt alive or Randy Orton's tweet about how much he loves the Mandalorian Baby Yoda is his guy now. Yeah, I mean, what a what a what a thing. Like I didn't watch it cuz obviously the Giants were playing Sunday night, but like I got the the notification from Bleacher Report or whatever that was like Randy Orton sets Bray Wyatt on fire and I'm like <laughs> Yeah. Like, I know it was an Inferno match, and, you know, Kane and the arm thing, like, I fully expected yeah. something like that to yeah. happen, but, like, I did not see this. No, I think the only thing that you can really take away from this is, one, they pulled this match off because there was no fans in the crowd, because there's no chance in hell right. yeah. this would have been done with a live crowd. No way. Uh, kudos to the stunt people involved. Sure. When, I know they taped it ahead of time. Yeah. When Bray got lit on fire and then ran in the ring. To get the RKO. Yeah. I mean, that was absolutely wild. And then to see Orton light the match and burn him in the middle of the ring, except for the one camera angle that showed his arm melting because he knew it was a plastic dummy. Yeah. It was spot on. I was like, okay, we're going to get weird. But Yeah, I mean, it would be very – I mean, obviously Bray has a lot of, you know, his t- his hands on his character. Mm-hmm. So this whole, you know, and he sent out the, the, uh, the tweet, you know, the uh, – God, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just the – open-ended tweet of you don't know where this is going. So that's going to be really telling and yeah. interesting 
to see kind of where he takes that character next. Yeah, because especially when they're trying to do all the supernatural things with him, it's like we've seen it time and time with the Undertaker. So Bray's right, but now like, that but now that niche is open. Yeah, you know, I know. now that, that Taker's gone, like really Bray can run with it. Yeah, and that's why I'm waiting to see what happens now. So definitely, that's the only thing to really take away from TLC going into the week and for wrestling. It was pretty quiet otherwise. I know the AEW is coming on after the NBA on Wednesday. Because priorities. Yep. And WWE is now on the road to the Royal Rumble, which is not a bad thing to get started on. <laughs> Thank God. Just The Royal Rumble is always going to be amazing, so we'll definitely be talking about that in the weeks to come. But let us talk about those locks and leaps, shall we? Two weeks or two weeks left in the season. It's coming down to the wire. Pad. What you got? Uh, I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs and Atlanta Falcons game. Currently, Atlanta, or excuse me, Kansas City is favored by ten and a half. Uh, Atlanta has been broken. Uh, I think Kansas City is going to just run all over them. Oh. Uh, and then on the flip side, I'm looking at the uh, Philadelphia Eagles Dallas Cowboys game. Philly currently two point favorites in Dallas. Uh, not so fast, my friends. I think Dallas is going to be able to pull off that win. Not Do trust. It. Not trusting the anointing of Jalen Hurts there as the uh, next coming of Randall Cunningham. No. I love that Chiefs pick because I would just nothing nothing would make me happier than watching Atlanta just absolutely go down. They're gonna get fury. They're gonna, they're gonna, Mahomes, oh. Mahomes, and, and Tyreek Hill and and, oh. and Kelsey are gonna torch the shit out of him by the second I quarter. Absolutely love it. Like who's who's the Kansas City backup? They'll be in halfway through the first quarter. No, I hope Tyreek Hill just buries them alive. Oh my god, it'll be it'll be hilarious. Uh, Can they drop a fifty? Well, that's that's just possible. Bury them. Just make Atlanta just cry. Oh, I mean, they do and, every time they see Tom Brady. And then I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Rams against Seahawks as my leap. Oh, okay. I think that McAvey is gonna get on them this week. I think they're gonna have a real true bounce back week. Um, Seattle, obviously, you know, traveling back home. Um, not necessarily a short week, but you know, a week to be had. That I think the Rams will pull one out. So for my lock. I'm actually going to break away. I'm taking Arizona, four, uh, favored by four over San Francisco. Okay. okay. I know it's division. I usually try staying away from it, but it's a playoff implication. So I think if Arizona is going to be a contender, they got to win this one. Sure. And for my leap, this was tough because I, I actually was looking at the Rams, but I was like, no, I don't want to go division games. I have to just grow my hatred for Miami that much. The Raiders are two-point uh, dogs. Ooh. So the Raiders are still in that possible playoff contention. They need some luck. And just quite frankly, I think Miami needs to take that L. So Raider Nation, if you're going to come through, come through now because I need you. Enough said there. That all being said, though, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is out of Brian Wolf. Now, Brian, I believe, is going to be doing the holiday show on his Patreon, which cool. is always fun to check out. Okay. And if you want to find all the links for that, Pat, where do you go? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Ooh. That's right. You can go check out the music section. Tag team. Hot tag. Oh. Boom. Bing, bing, bing. And you can check out all the music groups you hear on the ODPH, such as Shout at the Robots. You can also hear about Floodland, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu. They all have a lot of stuff lined up for 2021. So you definitely want to stay in tune for that. You can also check out the directory, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter. You can check out the pod groups they're in via their pod chaser pages. So definitely shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to the Apocalypse. And, of course, shout out to Hashtag 67 Podcast. Rich Ron and Big Natty Cool over at 8122 Productions, our friends there, Coach. Uh, uh, yeah, they are great guys. Yes, good brother. Are. Good brothers. Yes, they are. They are brothers in podcasting, which, Coach, they're asking when you're coming back through for the stream. 
Uh, well, I mean, we got a Connor fight lined up in uh, January. That my, I, I, Josh, I hope Liz comes because I'm bringing Aaron. All right, she's oh, coming. She's right. coming through. That right. is, dude. I, I'm now I'm now I'm taking time away from the show again, but. That lined up perfectly with the weekend that my mom takes the kids. So it was just ceremonial. It was just, it was beautiful. I la- I looked at the calendar. I'm like, oh my God, hey, Connor fights a night that we don't have the kids. Let's go. I might be able to talk Liz into that. All right. So if you are not following twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. Now, I don't now, know if she's going to join the Twitch, but I no. did. I said, I'm going to come Irish flag and all. I said, I told her, I go, listen, honey. I, I don't want to leave you hanging, but I'm going to be doing the show, and I'm bringing the flag. And she said, let's go. So if everything is going to be in attendance for this. You have from now until January 23rd to sign up for this. Uh, yeah, I was I was nothing. I was I saw this, and I go, this is just a gift. It's a Thank g- you, Conor McGregor. Oh, my God. Like, this is this is a bombshell. I didn't even know about this. Uh, yeah, he just boom. announced this. So definitely, you can find the link for our Twitch channel, our on Six or Seven Podcast, right on the homepage of VochoDuraParlayR.com. All that and so much more, including our T Public store too, which we've actually been doing some merch. Hey oh yeah! So you definitely want to pick something up for the holidays, and then uh, thereafter, like I said, VochoDuraParlayR.com. Enough said. So that's all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one only Pat one j Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Happy holidays, everybody. And thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.